You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Put that cookie down! It's jingle all the way time, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, it's so exciting to be here on the Oz Network to continue on with our Christmas recap movies for 2018. We've had to get through a couple of rubbish ones. We're here for the good two now. That are the only two that Colin and I actually wanted to do. We've got rid of the ones that women wanted to do. We're into the real stuff as we look at the 1996 classic that is Jingle All The Way. It is Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's trying to find a toy for Christmas. That's all you need to know. It's so good that you should be watching it right now and not listening to us because it's so much better than us, which is releasing that hard. Uh, and let's just start off this by saying, Hi, I'm Ben Waterworth. You might remember me from such Christmas movies as White Christmas, Santa's Sleigh, <laughs> and Santa with Muscles. And my name is Colin, and Rodney King! Rodney <laughs> King! <laughs> oh, this movie. Um, this is fun. Uh, it's, uh, it was pretty much trashed. People usually hate this movie, but I think at the end of the day, considering some of the movies that we've done in this five-week, six-week spread, uh, this one's looking pretty good. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's our third Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that we've done. We need to do more of these, but, you know, it's always going to be fun when Arnold Schwarzenegger's involved. And, again, add in with a Christmas movie, a toy, Sinbad's in there, Phil Hartman's in there, Mrs. Hank's in there, Anakin Skywalker's in there, Booster's in there. Uh, I mean, this is, this is this is great. This movie's awesome. Uh yeah, and I feel like we're losing our credibility here <laughs> because this is a dumb movie, and it's just, it's it's just fun in being dumb. And I think this is uh, it's kind of the last of its era of of movies that didn't take itself too serious. I mean, I think there have definitely been movies like this since. Um, I remember the the one that uh, came out maybe about ten years ago with Matthew Broderick and Danny DeVito, Deck the Halls. Did you ever see that one? No, I, I did not see that one. Sadly. But I just like these kind of classic 80s and 90s just goofy comedies, especially this one being more of a family comedy. Uh, it's just – it's it's ridiculous and who cares? I, I don't know why every Christmas movie needs to be classy. I mean I love White Christmas as I mentioned last week, uh, probably my second favorite Christmas movie of all time. But I think that we have enough White Christmases out there. We need more dumb – Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> screaming ridiculous lines, more Sinbad, uh, making parallels to 90s racial tensions. Like, <laughs> lots of things that just, there's so many things in here that's like, this movie shouldn't work, but it is just a fun movie. And the funny thing is, is that I think I mentioned last week, I didn't see this when it first came out. I'm a huge Schwarzenegger fan. I think we talked about on the last action hero that there's, on Arnold Schwarzenegger's entire filmography, there's only two or three of his movies I've never seen. And yet, much like The Last Action Hero, when this came out and got bad reviews and didn't do as well as people expected, I didn't watch it, even though I wanted to see it, because I was still young enough where I thought that it mattered. <laughs> if, if it got bad reviews, then it must not be a good movie. And it's so weird, because I was struggling to think, when did I see this for the first time? I know I was an adult by the time I saw it, but I can't tell you when. And I don't know if there's another movie in existence that I cannot remember seeing for the first time. This is just one of these things where it's like, at some point I saw it, and I've seen it many times since then, and I always enjoyed it. It's just I can't even pinpoint where I saw it for the first time. I just know that it was years after it came out. 
It, it would, yeah, it would have been one that I saw on video. I, I never saw this in the movies, but um, I think Dad would have gotten this out. It had Schwarzenegger in it, and you know, it's just like Christmas and Arnold. You know, it, it goes together well, and it's maybe got one of the greatest movie posters in the history of movie posters. It's literally a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger holding his arms up, going ah, like you can literally hear the noise coming out of his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of these movies that you don't need to see a trailer you don't need to read what it's about you see a movie poster with Mm -hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger's arms in the air going and it just says jingle the way you're like yep I'm seeing that movie and oh look there's young Anakin Skywalker so you kind of don't need anything else do you completely oh it's it's hilarious (laughs) and I think I was reading a little bit about the background of this film and how it kind of it's meant to be based off uh, inspiration for high-demand Christmas toys such as the Cabbage Patch Kids and the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and kind of based around that. Um, I, I, I don't even really think, do you need to have a background of this film? I mean, this is pretty obvious. I mean, kids always want toys. There's always one every year that everybody wants. And I think it kind of just, it's something that if, that wasn't done in 1996. They would have done this eventually. But, uh, I mean, you can tell there's a lot of, I guess, creative licensing done from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers around about this time, particularly with, like, the Demon Team and the guy with the brain in his head, Dementor, and things like that. Um, but I think it's it's interesting to read some of the trivia about how Tim Allen was initially considered for this role. What? Um, I can see Tim Allen almost in that role, but it's not going to be as good because this is Arnold Schwarzenegger's movie. Um, and that um, Joe Pesci was meant to be the Sinbad character, but they thought he was too short. So they got uh, Sinbad instead. Um, but I mean, I don't really know what else there is to sort of say about the background and everything in this movie. Directed by Brian, is it Levant? Levant? I can never. Levant. Levant. Uh, the esteemed director of such early '90s classics as Beethoven and the Flintstones. Um, I actually like Beethoven. Um, and Noah's like favorite movie, Snow Dogs. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sad not to have Noah here on the episode. Uh, I actually didn't. Before mind you the even move on, can I just? point out that i mean he did some pretty high profile movies here like beethoven flintstones little giant uh jingle all the way goes on from there he does the second flintstones movie does snow dogs his career starts to slow down he comes back in 2008 and is involved in beethoven's big break like you know your career is dead when about 20 years later you come back and do a straight to video sequel to your original movie well, you know, there's that though, Colin, but in 2017 he did do the critical darling Max 2 White House Hero, um, which oh. looks like a, a German shepherd with a medal around its neck outside the White House. So again, another poster I mean, that, that sells itself. That's almost as good as Johnny Tsunami. Yeah, exactly. He did a Christmas story too. I don't even know what happened in the first one, but there's a second story to tell about Christmas, so <laughs> that's good. And he did Are We There Yet? Uh, so he's uh you know he's done a few decent ones there but snow dogs obviously i think we need to do brian levant month so we get no one back involved and just surprise him um he did write for mork and mindy still the beaver and happy days he's been around for some time actually so there you go um but jake lloyd this is i think an interesting because i always forget that he's in this movie um, and realistically, he hadn't been in much up until this. He'd been in a movie called Unhook the Stars. Uh, he'd been in a few episodes of ER and The Pretender. And then he would go on to be, uh, in the TV film of Apollo 11. 
So it's kind of interesting that he kind of went into episode one as a bit of an unknown. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about that next year when we do Star Wars, 10-week month, woohoo. But do you remember that young Anakin Skywalker is here? And, I mean, if they looked at this movie as his acting skills, I don't exactly know how that helped him get... Well, maybe I do. It wasn't exactly an Academy Award performance (laughs) from himself. Yippee! Uh, (laughs) I don't know where I'm going with this. this this is probably the closest performance he has to Star Wars. Uh, the only thing being is that he, he actually shows a little bit of Darth Vader here on the, the phone scene with his dad, uh, <laughs> which we didn't get in Star Wars. But it's funny because I, I remember like around the time the Phantom Menace came out, just out of curiosity, um, one day renting Unhook the Stars. And I couldn't tell you anything about the movie, just that it, for me at the age I was at the time, it seemed pretty boring. But I remember thinking like, this kid's a really good actor. Um and then you watch this to the Phantom Menace, and you're like, well, you know, he's he's good if he's got something maybe dramatic. I think that Jake Lloyd is actually probably a better actor than he gets given credit for. It's just the movies he's most well-known for, Phantom Menace, and then even this maybe being the second one. What a filmography he's had. If these are his top two. <laughs> you know, it's not really meant to showcase his talents at all. But I do forget he's in this, and uh, I'm, I'm a huge star fan. I mean, I remember every movie Natalie Portman's in, mostly because I hate Natalie Portman. Um, <laughs> but uh, I forget Jake Lloyd's in this, and I think that just shows the star power of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because when you were running through it last week, and it's probably been about two years since I've seen this movie – uh, and you're like Phil Hartman and Sinbad. I'm in my head going, "That's right, they were in it. They were in it." Arnold Schwarzenegger is just such a presence, and even as great as some of these people in this movie are, like Sinbad and Phil Hartman or James Belushi, uh, it doesn't matter. Like it's just all Schwarzenegger. Like he is the movie. He is everything. I do have to have a theory though, based on watching this movie again, that you know it's a it's a long regarded fact that Anakin Skywalker's father is not known you know shmi was a mm-hmm. bit of a hoe let's be honest um <laughs> but i have got to say that i think this movie is the background for Anakin Skywalker like he yes. his father is Arnold Schwarzenegger and then somehow after the events of this film he became an orphan uh, ended up on Tatooine and was uh, adopted by shmi and became slaves to Watto. so like i think this is the prequel to star wars episode 1 uh, yeah, I'm going to go along with that because, I mean, you know Anakin got his powers from somewhere. We've seen what Turbo Man could do. I mean, <laughs> that's a Jedi if I've ever seen one. And uh, we do, we one do have a I line just... in this movie where he, at one point Arnold Schwarzenegger does go to say, I am your father. So, like, he clearly yes, steals that. that line <laughs> to use in the future. So, you know. Uh, I just want to talk really quickly about the, the Turbo Man thing. Like, um, the you said, like, how the TV show is very similar to power rangers and just them capitalizing on that craze which as you said it's 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 something that happened all the time but i think particularly in the 90s there was such a huge sensation every single year around the time this movie came out the two big ones were the furbies and then the tickle me elmo i think was probably like right before this so it came out the same year came out 1996 it was the same Tickle Me Elmo did. yeah yeah okay yeah so it that really shows like how big it was especially the 90s because it's completely different now where yeah, these things could still sell out, but you could order them on Amazon. You don't even have to leave the house to get a toy. Uh, but I think it probably built around this time in the mid-90s where there always was that one toy that everybody just had to have. And I can remember a couple years earlier for me, it wasn't like there was one toy, but it's like every kid, you, you had to have Ninja Turtles. And I can remember a birthday party where I just got like six Ninja Turtles toys, and and, and that's all it was. And like you said, the Power Rangers came after that. Um, it's such a 90s thing. This movie kind of gets unfairly criticized as being a movie that was trying to sell a toy 
Uh, and I'm not trying to give th- – I, I hate that this is always going to sound like I'm trying to give this movie more credit for being more clever than it is because it is a dumb movie. But there's nothing about this movie that is selling the Turbo Man toy. In fact, we barely see the toy itself in this movie. We barely see Turbo Man for the majority of the movie. Uh, if people try to say that this movie existed to sell a toy, well, where are the Turbo Man toys out there? And it, if you have to look at the time as released in, if this movie came out in – 2006, well, maybe it's meant to sell a Turbo Man toy if it comes out in 1986. But if it comes out in 1996, this is the obvious choice. If you're going to make a movie, a family movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger about Christmas, the most topical thing involving Christmas in the mid-90s is the craze of you have to get this toy. There are people pushing each other in stores, which the scene's a little exaggerated in this movie, but that's what was happening around 94, 95, 96 for these big toys every single year. Well, Christopher Columbus was um, the, the movie guy, not the guy who discovered America. I always just need to clarify that. He was involved uh, as a producer in this film, and a lot of people criticise this movie for saying that it was purely done to sell a toy. But the movie was essentially filmed in six and a half months. There was no time for merchandising. And there was only a small line of replica Turbo Man action figures sold and a exclusive Turbo Man time racer vehicle. Uh, and there were no tie-in promotions that could be secured given it was so quickly done. Um, so Christopher Columbus came out and basically defended it saying that there was only 200,000 Turbo Man toys made and that, uh, it was far less merchandising done compared to other films released that year, such as Space Jam and 101 Dalmatians. So, um, yeah. The talk then- boy from Home Alone 2. Mm, yeah. Like, was Home Alone 2 just to sell the talk boy? Exactly. I always wanted one of those things. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy because apparently Schwarzenegger was only cast or signed on to the film in February because he was long tied to a Planet of the Apes reboot that just never happened. Uh, so he sort of became available to do that. Can we imagine an, an Arnold Schwarzenegger Planet of the Apes? Damn you! Damn you all to hell! <gasps> Get your paws off me, you dirty ape! <laughs> I mean, it couldn't have been worse than what we got with Mark Wahlberg, right? But, um. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, I remember, was it Stella Warren? Is that what her name was when she was famous yeah. for five minutes of that and driven? Um, In the days. I liked her. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> I'm the first person to mention her name in, you know, 17 years. <laughs> so, Since 2001. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if we could go back in time and find like a magazine, like the next big stars in Hollywood, Estella Warren. Uh, <laughs> starring in two of the year's most anticipated releases, Planet of the Apes and Driven. Uh, <laughs> she had to win the Razzies that year, didn't she? Like, <laughs> surely. I guarantee it. Um... But yeah, so yeah, no, it does get criticism for trying to sell a toy, but there aren't really toys available. I would like a Turbo Van toy. I don't know. Like Me too. It's I want a Booster though. toy. <laughs> booster. No one likes Booster. <laughs> Poor Booster. What is Booster? It's like a pink dog. Like, what is that? It looks like a saber-tooth... I would say saber-tooth tiger, but it looks like a saber-tooth, uh, like, hound or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> Saber, saber-tooth poodle? Like, it's a dog crossed with a saber-tooth something or other. Yeah, it's like a saber-tooth dog slept with animal from the Muppets or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I have no idea. Anyway, so let's get into the movie. Gold glitter underwear. <laughs> <laughs> 
Of course, mana mana. Um, so <laughs> we start off having this uh, intense action scene of Turbo Man. Uh, it's the kids' show version of it, at least. Very much 100, uh, 101 Dalmatians, yes. I noticed 101 Dalmatians parallel in this opening scene. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Um, <laughs> and I've actually written here, Booster, what is that? Um, but we see... Um, we're not going to call him by his real name. His name is just Anakin. He's watching TV. Um, he's realising that the kid is going to get... The president's kid is getting saved. That is the weirdest looking president I've ever seen. And it sets us up as what we know with Turbo Man. You can always count on me. Um, yes, good on him. Um, and then uh, we find out that he's going to be going to a karate night. And we meet Mrs. Hanks. There's Tom Hanks's wife. Uh, I always get her confused with Maria Shriver because, you know, yes. <laughs> they look the same. And one is still with her husband. The other's husband slept with a nanny. So, cool. Um, <laughs> she mentions to Anakin that her, your father's working really hard. And then we cut to a Christmas party, which this, some of this just reminds me of the Santa Claus. <laughs> Like, they're yeah. just at a work Christmas function, and Arnold Schwarzenegger is here, and what is he, like a mattress salesman or something like that? Like, is that what his job is? Um, <laughs> can you imagine Arnold Schwarzenegger in a mattress store? Yes, the inner springs in this one really suit your posture. Uh, <laughs> it's not something I see him doing. He's on the phone. Everyone's his favourite customer, his number one customer. He's got, like, an assistant coming in with, like, cue cards basically saying, like, you're going to be late. Um, it's like, I'm going to make it. It's like, you said that half an hour ago. Um, his wife rings, says you're going to be late, tells his wife that she's his number one customer. Um, and then we kind of get this scene of Arnie trying to get to class to see uh, Anakin get this belt. Uh, he gets pulled over by a cop. Uh, who's going to become a bit of an ongoing uh, thing in this movie. I like the cop, random funny guy. And then it's sort of, we see scenes of Anakin getting his belt and Phil Hartman's introduced for the first time, Ted, who apparently is a ladies' man. All the women love him. Can I just point out, this is going to be one of these movies, which, what does Ted really do wrong in this movie? Besides get a little bit rapey later on. Okay, fair enough, that's right. Well, but, but, but like, besides that... <laughs> he's spending the entire movie... Moving in on this guy's wife. Well, okay, fair enough. But, like, at the same time, like, he helps out. He makes cookies. He has a reindeer. He, True. He has all these other women. He is, <laughs> yeah, he is stepping up and doing some of the duties a Schwarzenegger should be doing. At least yeah. somebody's there doing it. And, again, there are some things in this movie that are a bit questionable that Arnie does. He's a bit forgetful. He's a bit of a layabout dad. You know, I mean, he's trying. <laughs> it's kind of the 90s trope, isn't it? Of like, oh, no, the dad's never there for the son. Whatever will happen. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so Anakin gets his belt. They smash a box. They look at the door and Arnie eventually gets there and he didn't make it. Bad, bad luck. Uh, <laughs> he gets home. <laughs> I love when he, like, gets there and uh, Ted's on the roof. And he's like, what are you doing on my roof? It's like, I'm putting lights on your house. I had some left. Again, all Ted's doing is being nice. He had some leftover lights. He's just putting them up there. 
It's two days before Christmas. Why weren't they up already? Exactly. Yeah, at this point, Arnie. I'm with you. Like, he's helping. Exactly. Come on now. Like, we're always meant to point out that Arnie's a hero, but two of the three movies we've covered with him, he could also be seen as a villain in many aspects. Yeah. Um, so he comes inside and, um, Jake Lloyd is upset at him. He's watching TV, runs away, and he's trying to explain that it's not his fault. We get some great Arnie stuff here when he's putting the belt around his head. And he's like, oh, is this how you wear it? (laughs) Doing his best Elliot Carver, basically. Um, And he apologizes, says it wasn't his fault, and how can he make it up to him? Uh, And we get some great acting here from Jake Lloyd. I wrote Santa. Um, and then he's basically explaining that he wants his Turbo Man doll, um, and whoever doesn't get one will be a real loser. And then we find out, <laughs> we find out that, uh, Rita Wilson has asked Arnie to get this doll months ago when they're about to go to bed. And what does she say? Like, oh, cause anyone who, you know, doesn't get one, you know, it'll be impossible to find one now. And we, we get these great zoom up of Arnie's shocked face. I love Arnie's yeah. shocked face. It's just like the movie poster. Uh, and I will say that he's wearing an Atlanta 1996 t-shirt. So, uh. Um, I caught that. <laughs> yes. He's very proud that, um, you know, another state to the south of them. Cause this is all set in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Twin Cities. So that's the setup of the movie. He's a deadbeat dad. He needs to find this toy, and whatever could go wrong. There's only one more day to Christmas after this. So, you know, he's easily going to find this toy, isn't he? You know, even after I'd seen this movie a few times, one of the things that I always forget about this is that he really is a deadbeat. Uh, I I kind of view this uh, similar to Santa Claus, like you said, with the setup, the Christmas party, the fact that he's kind of an absent father. But I think in the Santa Claus, I never viewed tim allen as a bad dad it's just like they're in this transition period it's like well what does he do in a lot of ways it's like the kid's upset because of the situation the divorce it's not like it's against the way tim allen parents but tim allen's trying and i maybe it is that confusion of confusing this movie because whenever i watch this movie i start watching and thinking oh yeah you know this is the one where like the the you know the he he misses the kid's karate thing and that's why the kid's upset no the kid's upset because he's always doing this and the movie makes it very clear that he is a terrible father and the fact is well the office christmas party's going on like that would be one thing well he's missing it because of the christmas party but he's still working (laughs) the whole time and here's gonna be one of the two tommy wiseau (laughs) references in here there's a lot of parallels between these two guys these uh bizarre figures with the heavy accents uh, here where he's like, uh, instead of, uh, the, the, the shopkeeper guy going, you're my favorite customer. Him is just like, you're my number one customer. You're my number one customer. <laughs> I just, all I could think about now is the room. You're my favorite customer. And there's going to be another one coming up later on. I don't know Hi, if doggy. you caught it as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice doggy. <laughs> um, yeah, those play so much differently now that I've seen the room. We, we literally have mentioned the room in every episode we've done since we did the room, I think, like would, five months would ago. Would you know that in 2019, um, not only do we have to mention and do the room, it's of course our, uh, it's course, it's rough, it's irritating and gets everywhere. So, you know, like, yeah. it's our, that's our goal for 2019. <laughs> uh, what, what I think is really funny here is at the, first of all, the karate thing. Now, I'm, I'm going to call plot holes here as somebody who's had experience. But uh, I was in Taekwondo for uh, several years when I was a kid. And at even like a lower level than this, this kid's already progressed halfway to black belt by the way he's like, I've had this belt, this belt, this belt, and I've got these more to go. He's halfway to black belt. 
And all he has to do is pass his test is throw a couple of kicks going, ah, and then break one board that everybody is breaking. People at different belt levels have to pass doing the same thing. Like, this isn't even a test. I don't know why this is what he has to do to pass it. Like, when I had to pass to my second test, I had to memorize probably a 13-move pattern. And then when it was my next belt after that, I had to do that like three times over. And then I, I was like jumping and breaking things by the time I was at this kid's level. Um, what, what's also funny is that there are probably 12 kids in this entire graduating class at different belt levels. And yet the crowd watching this is approximately 150 people. <laughs> like, I don't know why this is such a big deal. You know, when I showed up to mine, it was basically everybody's parents and maybe one or two siblings. So if you had, you know, I don't know, 12 kids, you'd have maybe 35, 40 people. This is like the thing to see in the Twin Cities on December 23rd was like the the five-year-old's karate, not not even display, it's like passing tournament. Well, well hadn't um, the North Stars departed to Dallas by then? So they without the wild true. hadn't started yet. <laughs> yes. so they didn't have, a, didn't have mean, a team. It's winter, come on. <laughs> they have to live vicariously through everybody else for anything sports, which is why he has Atlanta 96 on his shirt <laughs> yeah. and nothing else. Basically, he has two shirts. It's Atlanta 96 and six-year-old karate exhibition 1995. <laughs> Those are his only shirts that he has, sports-related in the Twin Cities. Uh, when he's driving home in this cop, like, the cop is great. And every time the cop comes back, you think, oh, this will be the last time the cop comes on, and then they just keep bringing him back. It's not like it's overkill because they change it each time. But the first time here, I, 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 I don't know if the interpretation is intended to be when he's like, please, Mr. Officer, can you let me go? My son has a karate tournament. If the guy's like, uh, oh, yo, please forgive me, and he just decides to give him a hard time because he's trying to get out of a ticket, or if when he makes me step out of the car and you see him walking a line doing a breathalyzer, was it that he was just doing this to be a dick? Or did he legitimately think, this guy wants to be a good father? He must be under the influence right now. <laughs> Let me give him the breathalyzer. Because that's kind of the way it plays. Like, it's, I want to be a good father for my son. Step out of the car. Let me smell your breath, sir. <laughs> I kind of like it better that this is this is Minnesota parenting. <laughs> uh, and Phil Hartman is like, I don't know, maybe it's because it's Phil Hartman. I, I, um, I've never gotten a woman's opinion on Phil Hartman, but like <laughs> Jamie was watching this and she's like, when I was a kid, I didn't get that he basically was a man whore and he was sleeping with everybody in the neighborhood. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, yeah, but it's Phil Hartman of all people. Like, it's just this weird thing where I... I don't know if that is like every single mother's dream. If there's a lot of like 35, 40 year old women out there who are divorced and have kids and when they're watching Saturday Night Live or news radio, they're like, there's the man for me, Phil Hartman. Like he just seems an odd choice. Charisma wise, like I totally get it. Uh, and I'm glad he's in this movie because he's so sleazy, but it's just how into him all the women are. I don't know if Phil Hartman's the right guy for that. I think we had the same discussion on Arnold Schwarzenegger in a past episode, too. Like, Arnold Schwarzenegger's a sex symbol. Is Phil Hartman a sex symbol? What's well, your opinion, Ben? I mean, he's Troy McClure. So, I mean, you know, that man's hot. <laughs> so, I'm down for that. And he did get murdered really by a woman after a fight. So, clearly, there's something going on there. <laughs> it was because he was sleeping with all the other women in the neighborhood <laughs> and eating their cookies. <laughs> We're sorry to make fun of, you know, a, a murder-suicide here or whatever, but... <laughs> We had to go there in this episode. <laughs> well, sadly, this was his last movie he was in, at least when he was alive. Oh. So, you know, like, elephant in the room, I guess. But, um, 
you know. Can I also uh, can I also mention uh, how great it is that uh, this is like back to back movies that Phil Hartman and Sinbad did together? Did you ever watch House Guest, the movie no, they did I just before this? Did not no. Oh, I I loved that movie when I was a kid. Um, and yeah, this one came like right after. This is kind of I mentioned like as far as Christmas movie goes, just movies in general is kind of what I meant about the, this '90s era of just goofy family comedies, uh, and they're not family as in. They're just made for kids. This isn't, you know, snow dogs. Uh, this is something where it's like guys in their 30s could sit down and say, like, I kind of want to watch Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Hey, and kids who are five will say the same thing. It, no, that's my point. <laughs> and, and I feel like a lot of these 90s family comedies of the time period were like that. Like Man of the House, the one with, what was that, Chevy Chase and Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Oh, that's a good movie. Yep. Yeah, that house guest with Phil Hartman and Sinbad. Like, I just miss that mid '90s era of family comedies where it was appropriate for children, but you know, equally funny for adults. So, I mean, this when I watch this movie, as much as I love Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, and I forget that everybody else is in this movie. I mean, Phil Hartman and Sinbad are so great. I just love that we at least have this one movie to to really, and they really do get to showcase both of them in this. Man of the House, uh, Jungle to Jungle. I love Jungle to Jungle. Good movie. Yeah, Jungle um, to Jungle. Tim Allen's king of that. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good movie. I always, I always get annoyed that that movie got like criticism. Like, it's a good movie. All right, leave it alone. Yes. <laughs> We're gonna do leave it alone month coming soon to the Oz Network. <laughs> house guest, Man of the House. <laughs> leave it alone. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> Show us some respect. Uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, what could go wrong? Arnie's got to find this toy. Gets up early, um, and he's going to be rushing out. Uh, it's Christmas Eve. You can't go to the office. <laughs> Can I say Rita Wilson? Is she in many other things? Because she's not a very good actress. <laughs> I don't know if it's just this movie, but you know, I love Tom Hanks. I love Rita Wilson. But I don't know what what else is she known for? Uh, well, Sleepless in Seattle. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, let's see the, the Runaway Bride. I guess she was in Runaway Bride. I've never seen that. Uh, do you know what? I, the funny thing is, do you know what I know her best from? It came oh, out the same what? year as this. Uh, but um, <laughs> did you ever see that thing you do? The first movie that Tom Hanks oh, directed many years ago. Yeah, when well, I was little, I, maybe once. Like that, if I were to rank my top, I'll say not top 10, but top 20 favorite movies of all time, that thing you do is in it. Like, I love that movie so much. And she kind of has, I guess it's a bit of an extended cameo where she plays a little bit of a cougar waitress at like a nightclub who basically gets one of the band members drunk and tries to pick him up, even though she's like twice his age. That's what I always remember her best from, um, that and Jingle All the Way. So yeah, I, I, reading her filmography, I'm like, oh yeah, I think she was in this movie, but it's not like she stands out for anything else. Well, she's been a producer on, I mean, she produced My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Um, she produced <laughs> Mamma Mia, good for her. Uh, and in 2012, really? she was in- Good for her? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, That's she- us. She she was in the movie in 2012 called Jutopia. Um, so, <laughs> sounds pretty good. I don't know. Um, but yeah, look, I've nothing against Rita Wilson. I don't dislike Rita Wilson. I mean, she's married to Tom Hanks. She's in the dream position of everybody in the planet. Everyone wants to be married to Tom Hanks. But um, she's just not that good of an actor in this movie. So, sorry, Rita. She's not you... bad. It's, I get what you're saying. She's not... But she's not bad. I wouldn't like. She's not good, but she's not bad. She's just sort of there, and yeah. it's, I think it's partly just being overshadowed by 
these massive personalities like Schwarzenegger and Sinbad and Phil Jake Hartman, Lloyd. like Jake Lloyd, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The guy who plays the radio disc jockey, like, she just gets overshadowed by all the bigger talents. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, Turbo Man, Booster. Um, <laughs> Booster, <laughs> yeah. So we find out the Wintertainment Parade is on, and Dad, you can't miss it! Turbo Man will be there! And I love the way Arnold was like, Double Man is double time! Like, all the way he kind of does that. And we get that big zoom in on his face, which if you've ever seen the trailer, when he's like, I'll be there, I promise! Like, yeah, okay, like, that's not going to come back and bite him. Uh, he leaves for the day. Uh, Phil Hartman has a reindeer. <laughs> With no explanation whatsoever. But again, this is just showing that he's a nice neighbour, you know? He's like, yeah, I just thought this would be great for the kids, and after Christmas, I found a nice family near a lake. I'm going to release him. Like, you know, oh, good for him. The deer goes to bite Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, so, yes... And then this is when he drops the line of like, oh, you're going to get Turbo Man? Oh, I've got a Turbo Man. It's not, it's nestled, was it nestled nicely under my tree for Johnny or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, not that that's going to come back at all. Um, and again, Phil Hartman's doing nothing but be caring for him. He's like, oh, it's going to be icy later on. You should put chains on your tires. Like, you know, just be careful out there, Arnold. Oh, I got a problem with that. Uh, you've got a problem with that? Why? Because you know, I'm Australian. We don't know what snow is. So, like, there is a good line here, though, when Arnold. He's like, I would like to put chains around you. <laughs> Give me your problem. I don't know about this problem. You're going to keep me on the edge of my seat if I don't find well, the chains. Well, I've got, I've got two problems. I'll save one for later, but I'll just say that the chains on the tire bit, Phil Hartman is either not from, originally from Minnesota, or he is the world's wimpiest driver. Because, like, uh, Minnesota is basically the same as Manitoba. And, like, like, literally the same. Like, they'll get just as much snow. They're known for their miserably cold winters. Here in Manitoba, there's different types of tires. You can have... Uh, what are called um, all-season tires, which is that you could drive them in winter, summer, whatever. And then there are winter tires. Uh, nobody uses chains on their tires here in Manitoba. Like, nobody. It's basically a choice of do you want tires with terrible traction or slightly better traction? <laughs> and <laughs> nobody would ever bother to use chains because you, you just learn how to drive on ice, sliding all over the place. Um, I've never even used winter tires in my life. So, I mean, Phil Hartman, you're a little bit of a pussy, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> Phil Hartman's Australian, let's be honest, that would be me. Like, chains? <laughs> Better put chains on my tire, I don't know what to do. Um, I think when I was in BC with Mallory, and they were talking about, like, when they drove to the Okanagan and kind of to Kelowna about how they have to put chains in their tires sometimes. Well, BC, I'm sorry to say, is wimpy too, but that's... <laughs> but that's only... No, in their defence, it's because they don't get a lot of snow. Like, I remember my aunt, you know, who grew up in Winnipeg, when she moved to BC, a couple of years later, my mom was making fun of her because she was complaining, I actually had to shovel my driveway today, and this was like the end of December. And it's like, okay, well, we've been doing that since October here, thanks. <laughs> we've had one day off all year from shoveling our snow. We complained when we didn't have to shovel our snow out of our driveway. Yeah. That's how it works in Manitoba. Um, Arnie shows up to a toy store. He just pushes in front of everyone and, like, gets to the glass door. We've got Douche Nozzle Shopkeeper basically tapping at his watch, like, oh, no, it's not quite open yet. Um, to which Arnie then gets pushed back only, like, about five spots. Like, at least fuck you, Arnie. Like, there's people, like, miles behind, and you've just pushed in front of everyone. We meet Sinbad for the first time, a.k.a. Myron, who's a, what, a bit of a crazy mailman. <laughs> I just love the way he's, like, ranting on here. Apparently, most of his lines were all ad-libbed, which kind of just makes it even better. 
And the fact that he's just like going on here, oh, don't understand how stressful it is for me. I'm going to deliver letters, kids, and dear Santa, I want to talk. What about me? What do I want? <laughs> Love Sinbad. I don't know if I've actually ever seen him in anything else. That's how sad it is that what? I don't know if I've seen him in anything else. Um, I have seen Coneheads, but that was like years ago. I could not even remember Coneheads. Um, I don't even remember who he was in there. He was in Homeward Bound 2, Lost in San Francisco. I would have seen that. Um, it was a voice, but still. Um, what's he, like, what is he known for? Am I just missing He's, something? He was here? a stand-up, yeah, he was a stand-up comedian, like, I guess in the 80s. And, I mean, the first thing I ever saw him in, and it, it, the Cosby show was, of course, really big in the 80s and 90s. And I remember watching the Cosby show as a kid, but there was a spinoff of the Cosby show called A Different World that was taking place in a college. And Sinbad was on that show for years um, while I guess he was really big with stand-up comedy. And I guess when A Different World eventually went off the air, that's when he broke into movies. So for a couple of years here, he was getting like major starring roles in all these movies and was considered a big deal. But I guess his movie career just never took off the way that his TV career and stand-up did. Mm, okay. He was um, placed in the world's worst uh, – the worst tax debitors for the state of California – in 2009, because <laughs> he owed $2.5 million in tax. So there you go. That's what he's known for now, apparently, not paying his tax. He must you know, know what? Uh, that came, Wesley that, Snipes. That, that all came from the, uh, the, the payouts he got from the Myron action figures that this movie was <laughs> really only developed to sell, the Myron action figures. Of course, yes. Everybody wanted one with a little uh, mailman hat thing on, whatever it is. <laughs> Bomb. Um, <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> He, they just have this argument or whatever it is out the front. I don't even argument. Um, and then Sinbad basically chokes a random woman. Uh, <laughs> which again, this wouldn't happen in 2018. Um, but then the store opens, all the Turbo Man dolls are gone. Uh, it's just, it's just a fun scene. I just love how they kind of have all these like fighting scenes with everyone and they play like really uplifting Christmas carol music. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's the most wonderful time <laughs> of the year. Um, and the, the shop assistant guy here, the first one who's like, starts laughing at him. Um, what is his name? He's like quite well known. Um, he was, he, I know in 30, yeah, uh, Chris Parnell, Chris Parnell, because I know in 30 Rock, he was, um, Dr. Spachemin, otherwise Spaceman. Um, but he's been in lots of things. Yeah, Saturday Night Live. But, um, yeah, Chris Parnell is his name. I like him. But yeah, so they're basically Arnie's trying to find out. He's like, you know, oh, uh, do you have any Turbo Man? And he just keeps getting laughed at. Everyone keeps laughing at him whenever they ask it. They keep trying to sell them Booster because who wants Booster? I do love that line when you hear Sinbad in the background going, Booster? Who wants Booster? <laughs> <laughs> And they find out that a woman has just left the store. She's had one on layaway, so they're all going to chase after her. Sinbad pushes Arnie out of the way. Arnie trips him up with a, a little toy car. Uh, and I do love that bit when Arnie stands over him and goes, Oh, poor baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was like all the trailers. <laughs> Just like the lie that he, the way he says, and the look on his face, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger just looks like he has so much fun doing comedy movies like this. Like, we, we talked about this in yeah. Last Action Hero, but he just, there's just something about him that works so well with comedy. Um, we see the woman driving off with the turbo man in the car and Arnie's chasing after her. And then we get like this classic style montage. It just reminds me of something you see in The Simpsons. 
Like that one when, um, you know, they've done it so many times, but I remember the one where, like, Homer was trying to find his pants and he's, like, got all those neon signs driving past him as he's looking around, like, no pants here, yeah. no pants there. <laughs> so we just see, like, all these shop assistants, like, uh, laughing at him. We see Turbo Man, the motion picture. Uh, they hold up Booster and Dementor dolls and laugh at him. There's a clock spinning in the tire rim. And then he eventually gets to the point where he punches a Turbo Man cardboard stand-up. Uh, <laughs> it's just so funny. I'm going to end it there because I need to do the se- next scene separately because it's the greatest bit of the whole movie. But um, <laughs> I just love the fighting scenes between these two and just everything about this movie is so good. It's dumb, but it's so good. Um. Yeah, so I, I complain about the chains on the tires, so I'm going to give my second complaint now, and that's how obvious it is that this is not actually filmed during the winter, which I understand the reasons why. you always, And again, being from a place where obviously winter is several months of the year, I mean, usually we will get our first snowfall at some point in November. The snow will start melting in March, but it's probably not all the way gone until April. So we're looking at six months of the year that snow is on the ground, and at least four months of the year where it is covering everywhere whenever you see a movie that's taking place at christmas they never have it the way it really is like you never see snow everywhere and if it is it's filmed indoors somewhere this is obviously filmed outdoors and there's two ways of doing this you could bring in a bunch of fake snow which costs a lot of money or you work with what you have and you film it like in the spring you know when it's not 30 below which is what it would have been in minneapolis if this actually was in december you said this movie filmed, when was it? Like only six months before it came out? So they were probably filming these scenes, what, in March, is my uh, guess? April, I think I was reading. Uh, yeah, yeah. It took between five weeks from April 15. Uh, yes, and it was, at the time, the largest film production ever to take place in Minneapolis. Bigger than Mighty Ducks. I mean, I guess it would be with Schwarzenegger. Uh, not big, biggest. Well, since, hang on a minute. Them. Emilio Estevez. Now, hang on a second. <laughs> Colin Hilding. Um, but... It's the depiction of snow on the ground that bothers me because this is clearly real snow, but it's melted away. And for anybody who lives in a winter climate, it is so obvious that this is March or April right here because you see these patches of grass and then the snow's only right on the edge. But it's when you actually see the grass and you could see that there's all these brown spots all over, which really only comes because the snow has been sitting on it all winter already. This is going to go over the heads of anybody who does not live in a winter climate. Like me, I had no idea yeah. about any of this. <laughs> Looks like, real to me. Right <laughs> like right now, we only just got—we've had less snow than normal the last two years in Winnipeg. We just got like our first major snowfall about a week ago. Um, so already into December, you could see like grass in some places still, but the grass is still for the most part green because it hasn't been sitting there covered by snow all winter. It's only when it's been covered by snow all winter that you see all these disgusting brown dead patches everywhere. So for me, I'm watching this saying, I can tell this is March or April. And it actually steals a little bit of that Christmas spirit from me. <laughs> so <laughs> movies, you got to be accurate to those who live in the region. Um, also, I want to say, like, I, I never realized this is filmed in Minneapolis. And I, I probably noticed it a few times in the past, but it's never stuck out to me because the movie doesn't make a point to mention this is the Twin Cities. It's really on that one shot where you see Mall of America, and if you blink, you miss the shot where it's Mall of America, where it's clear that's where it is. Like The, the, the movie doesn't really go out of its way to tell you where this takes place, uh, although it's not hiding at all when it shows the Mall of America, I guess. But, um, yeah, when he goes to the store, like, 
I said it earlier, this is a very exaggerated version, but this is very much what was happening in the 90s. You'd have people lining up from like four in the morning just waiting for a shipment of Tickle Me Elmo's or Furbies or something like that to come in. And when the doors opened, it was just this mad rush. This goes a little bit further with like the, the choking the old lady and stuff, which really is funny. I'm sorry to say like, yeah, it would not be included in 2018, but it looks so funny on screen, partly maybe because you wouldn't be expecting it now. Uh, and Sinbad, uh, I don't know what people's opinion is of Sinbad in this movie because he is very in your face. Uh, and I do know that like his movie career didn't really work out, but like he had a couple of years there, like I said, where he's getting like constant starring roles and stuff. Um, the way that his delivery is, I could see that this might be annoying to somebody who doesn't get this really in your face style humor. But I just love his rants, and his rants don't always make sense. Like he'll go for two minutes straight, just uh, as you said, ad libbing, and some of it's not even jokes. It's just funny to hear him talk. Like one of my favorite lines in here was I don't even remember what he was talking. He was talking about like um uh the the rich powerful toy cartels, and then he's like Schwarzenegger sort of giving him a look like okay whatever he goes. I went to community college for a year and I studied psychology. I know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> and like it has no relevance to anything else he's saying just he feels he need to throw in there i went to community college for years <laughs> i can totally see that this stuff was all improvised on the spot um some of it does come across as like really loud obnoxious rambling but i love the loud obnoxious rambling and these guys also th- this could have very easily evolved into either he is the villain the entire movie or he is like this is a buddy comedy and it's kind of nice to see a movie like this where it's sort of in between like sinbad is you know his adversary for a lot of this but he's trying to work with him he keeps saying over and over again hey let's work together man he's like no i'm on my i work as a solo like i am i am my own man i need no help from nobody especially a male man uh, and Sinbad's trying to be a nice guy, but then when he does get snubbed, he's like, "Well, I can be a dick back at you." Like, let's, it's it's just a different relationship they have that's that's not what you normally see in these movies. Um, one probably the hardest I ever laugh at this movie is the laugh attack when they're like, "This guy thinks that he can find a Turbo Man in the stores on Christmas Eve," and when the first guy, like you said, the first guy laughs at him, and it is so obnoxious the way he's laughing. And then the second guy, hey, this guy wants to know if we have any Turbo Man's left. And he's like, nah! <laughs> and then everybody else starts joining in, like one person after the other. And it's like old ladies in the store, like, nah! <laughs> it's just, it's so obnoxious. And it's, it cracks me up too. And Jamie was watching me last night too. And she was like losing it when everybody starts laughing at him. Uh, the montage too, like you said, it's, um, it, it's, it's something that's like so familiar, these style of movies. Where people misinterpret this as being a movie that was set up to sell toys, they're right in a way, but they're wrong in that it really, as we said, has nothing to do with Turbo Man. They weren't even trying to sell Turbo Man toys, nor did they have the time to even make them. Uh, but this montage here showed me how brilliant this movie was, Where how much of their budget was probably paid for by product placement. Because during this montage, he's in every toy store in Minneapolis and St. Paul, and every single time he's in there, you're seeing real toys. This isn't like... Uh, here's a generic toy of a cowboy, like a Toy Story style cowboy or a spaceman, uh, the way that like Toy Story would do fictional toys instead of name brand toys. You're walking in there and you're seeing Ninja Turtles on the shelves. You're seeing Power Rangers. 
the thing that got me the most giddy, which was probably the last thing is, as I was growing up, I was more a teenager at this point by the time I discovered it. The, but the last point where I was like Jake Lloyd at the beginning of watching uh, Turbo Man was Hercules the Legendary Journeys with Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> And when I was a teenager, even though I was like older than being a kid, that was me. I was sitting in front of the TV with like, you know, my my, my legs crossed and like as close as I could get to the screen and it would be counting down. I was like, Hercules starting in 13 minutes. Hercules was on at 1 in the morning and I would stay up until 2 in the morning every single day to watch Hercules. <laughs> Isn't that uh, annoying got, song that you kept showing Casper is that Hercules? That's a different show, yeah. Oh, that was so annoying. That's classic animated Hercules, which when I was like Casper's age was like my Turbo Man. Uh, but like the Kevin Sorbo live action Hercules series, like the one that Xena was a spin off oh, right. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was so obsessed with that show as a teenager that I was like Jake Lloyd with Turbo Man. <laughs> and when I saw on one of these shelves, it wasn't even like you know, they have the whole lineup of Ninja Turtles toys. It was like one toy of a Kevin Sorbo Hercules. <laughs> where I'm like, they make toys out of that, Jamie. Can I have a Kevin Sorbo toy for Christmas? <laughs> I'm like that when I still see Jurassic World toys. Like, every single time of Jurassic World, (laughs) Jurassic World toys are out! It's like, Ben, no, you're 31. It's like, no, I want a dinosaur, I want a raptor! (laughs) You know what we gotta do? We gotta do, like, Oz Network Secret Santa. You know, somebody get Ben a Jurassic Park toy. Somebody get me a Kevin Sorbo action figure. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, if we had listeners, that would work. But, uh... Um... But yeah, the, the, this montage is fun. It's just it's the people laughing at him that really makes it like you mentioned. <laughs> um, also, I wanted to say just lastly the um, how poorly marketed Turbo Man was because yes, this thing with the Furbies and um, the Ichtikami Elmos was huge, where toys were selling out. But we're talking like this happening in November. You know, happen with anything that's hot, but. The worst thing you could ever do is have a toy sold out everywhere on Christmas Eve. That's just bad business. Like, I hope that the makers of Turbo Man, you know, learned a lesson from this. I hope they learned a business lesson from the fact that it's really poor distribution to not have toys in toy stores on Christmas Eve. How many millions of dollars did they miss out on just because they couldn't manufacture a couple thousand more toys? And considering that the motion picture is in th- in cinemas as well, like, yes. why is Jake Lloyd sitting around watching TV? Shouldn't he be at the movies every day? Like, no, we see it again. Like, you know, Space Jam came out that year. I wanted to go see that every bloody weekend. But, you know, did I? know? I was nine. Poor. But whatever. <laughs> like, I liked Space Jam. Um, I the the filming you're saying about how kind of you don't realize it's in. Minneapolis, they uh, use a bit of creative licensing to sort of combine both twin uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul because the majority of things I think uh, reading into it was filmed in St. Paul and there was a lot of um, other areas where it was kind of like abandoned shops and everything and there was uh, two bits that weren't filmed in Minneapolis that was the final parade which was filmed on the Universal Studios New York City lot in, in Los Angeles <laughs> And they did um, the fight between all the Sanders and Arnie was done uh, in a store somewhere else as well. So um, there, are, I mean, there are definitely two bits in this movie though where you know it's Minneapolis St. Paul, two locations which I've been to, and I know at least one you've been to because we met there, Colin. Oh, um, we'll get to that anyway. Uh, the greatest scene in history of movies is about to come up uh, <laughs> because. <laughs> Phil Hartman is helping uh, Rita Wilson cook cookies 
Uh, and he knows how to do it and sends her upstairs. This is, I think, really, is this like the first part where you sort of get the inkling that he's trying to make the moves on her? Um, and he's trying to eat one of the cookies. He birds himself and he yells at um, Jake Lloyd and he said, pipe down in there! <laughs> <laughs> When you said he's not that bad of a guy, that's where I was thinking about this scene. Woman walks out of the room and suddenly, shut up, kids! <laughs> that's me. That's how I deal with children. Uh, <laughs> then um, Arnie rings up Phil. Well, rings up to speak to his wife. Uh, Ted answers the phone. Phil Harmon. He's eating his cookies. Like, who said you can eat my cookies? Uh, and it's like, put, put, put her on the phone. Put Liz on the phone. Oh, she's in the shower. Shall I just go check? Like, no, you shouldn't <laughs> check. And then he takes another bite of the cookie. Too. He's like, oh, these cookies are so good. To which we get the greatest line in the history of movies. Put that cookie down now. <laughs> <It's just so laughs> I remember when I, like, it'd probably been like at least... I don't know, 10 years since I'd seen this movie until about five or so years ago when I dusted it off and watched it. I could not stop watching this scene. And it got to the point where I kept showing it to my dad. He kept laughing. He'd always, every time we'd have a cookie in the house, he was like, put that cookie down now. And my brother-in-law shared this video where somebody on YouTube has made a techno remix of this. And it's like, put that cookie down, put that, put that, put that cookie down. My nephew Link, you will say this to him and he will just crack up laughing and he will repeat it back. And there was a couple of years ago, I know Arnie like took requests from his fans on like Twitter and Instagram. And he said like, you know, oh, you let me know your favorite lines from my movies and I will do them and recreate them for you. And he's just, there is one of the ones when he's like just sitting on a plane, I think. And he literally just looks at the camera and he's like, put that cookie down now. And he's like, there you go to fan Ben Waterworth. It wasn't me, but like, it was just so funny. Um, there's, there's some well, great, like, I just have a, a quick, quick go, question go. here. Yeah. Which line, I know which one is, going to be considered more iconic just because of the popularity of the movie, but which line do you think is better? Put the cookie down or it's not a tumor? Because it really is just they're going for the same laugh. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not a tumor. Yeah, as you said, more well known, but it's just it's just the reaction of Arnie for this one, and it's been a long time, because that's Kindergarten Cop, isn't it? It's not a tumor. It's been yeah. such a long time since I've seen that movie, so I, can, I can't even remember the context and how it comes about, but um, I just love the, it's just so random because he's just so frustrated and it's just the way he yells at him. Um, th- there is a really, like another funny one liner in this movie, which comes from Sinbad later on, which I laugh almost as hard at, which somebody shared as a meme a couple of years ago. Uh, I think I like two years ago, I like, I watched this movie. And just somebody just replied with the shot of him when he's like, out of the way, box. <laughs> he just shoves the box on the ground. Oh. <laughs> It's not even funny, but it's funny. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so he's off the phone, and for some reason, uh, Sinbad is there. You know, Minneapolis and St. Paul is a very small Twin Cities. Um, <laughs> I do like the way he's here, and this is when you said before he's trying to partner up, and he's like, you know, going through all these great partnerships. It's like, we can be like this person, this person, like Argentina. Well, not like Argentina. She left. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then when Arnie's like calmly like, you know, I want to do this by myself. And the Simba just replies, that's racism. 
like, usually, like, these characters who just always play, like, the race car just, like, get under your skin. But, like, he's just so funny. Like, your opening line when he's like, Rodney King! Rodney King! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. But I love the fact that they're in this random street and some random guy just sprints down the street. They're going to ship it to Turbo Time! Turbo Man! And he's like... Why is he telling anybody? Like, keep that, keep that under your chest. You know, keep that. Why are you like you're announcing to the world that the hottest toy that you clearly need to get is in? And, like, if, and if, wh- why if is Casper- he telling this to like these these two? Does he know that these two are looking for him? Or like, has yeah. he done this on five different blocks and everyone's just been like, so what, so what? <laughs> and then finally he gets a reaction. Oh shit! I got a reaction. Woo! <laughs> You know, if Jamie is searching for that, you know, elusive Kevin Sorbo, Hercules, a legendary journeys action figure for me, and it's sold out everywhere, and she finds one store has them. If Jamie wants to get that from me, and I find out that she went around announcing to the world, they got Kevin Sorbo action figures over there. <laughs> Who can run faster than I can? Like, that's just dumb. Um, so they all get in their cars, get ready to drive off, and Arnie backs into a cop motorbike. Just happens to be our favourite, uh, police <laughs> officer again. Uh, and I do love the fact that he, like, comes in, drops his coffee, and he's like, you broke my little mirror. <laughs> it's so dumb, but it's so funny. They rush all the way to Mall of America. Oh, Colin, did you feel nostalgic? I thought of oh, you yeah. when I saw this shot. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know, the romantic story of when Colin and I first <laughs> met in person. I was in Minneapolis and uh, Colin, what did you drive, like eight hours? <laughs> it was seven and a half hours, yeah. <laughs> Casper uh, hadn't even been born yet, if I'm not mistaken. Like, Jamie was nearly was like, about to pop, was, wasn't she? It was like six or seven days away from his due date. <laughs> <laughs> but he drove all the way to see me. I think you did have another reason for going there. But let's just stick with the point that you came to see me. <laughs> We hung out, we played Star Wars game, we flew over America and we met Ashley and Papa, Papa Smurf from Survivor. Uh, so, what a time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Mall of America. Um, when people talk to me, what did you do when you went to Minneapolis? I went to Mall of America. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> I also went to Mickey's Dining Cart. We'll get to that. I like that little dining cart. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're lining up here, and basically this guy has got balls for lottery and that he's doubled the price. It's fair enough, supply and demand. <laughs> you know, like, they're a bit of a dick, but at the same time, like, you've got to do it, you've got to make some money. Um, and plus, as you said, the toy company behind Turbo Man is terrible at marketing, so they've got to make a profit somehow as well. So do it that way. Throws all the balls up because everybody's pushing and trying to grab the balls, and I think this is a bit where we get the, it's the most wonderful time yeah. of the year. Um, just everyone pushing and shoving. This is where I think we do get the Rodney King, Rodney King, because Arnie's like, he's got two, he's got two. <laughs> and then the ball bounces down the stairs. We get like that classical chase music as Arnie's following this ball, this little child who I always can never tell if it's a boy or a girl, and apparently it's a girl, um, grabs this ball and like taunts Arnie climbing through this gym equipment and to which Arnie and he finally gets the ball or tries to grab it out of this girl's mouth in a ball pit and all these women come running after bashing him up with his hand and get out of the way pervert and maybe one of the most <laughs> one of the most underrated Arnold Schwarzenegger lines ever I'm not a pervert I'm I was just looking pervert. for Turbo Man Dawn 
<laughs> Why isn't that ever quoted? I want to hear, I'm not a pervert. Uh, and we basically, it leads us into what we're going to get here, where he gets ushered away by a creepy Santa and a little elf, um, who, uh, a little person playing an elf. Can I just point that out? If that's a politically correct term, uh, who claim that they have a turbo man and then they're going to usher him back to this warehouse somewhere to, uh, I guess, scam him out of it. But I might just cap it there. Uh, <laughs> Again, this movie is so dumb, but it's just hilarious. I don't know why I laugh so much at this movie. It's so great. The put up the cookie down scene. Um, it's not a line like I I know that's in the movie, but it's not a line I realized how well known that line was uh, until I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was a couple of weeks ago. Jamie and I were driving around and. Uh, I was telling her, oh yeah, we're going to be covering a couple more Christmas ones. I was asking her, do you want to come on any of these? And Jingle All the Way, by the way, she's a huge, huge, huge fan of Jingle All the Way. Uh, in fact, the reason we own this movie is because a few years ago, I got it for Jamie. Um, but she didn't want to be on this episode still because she would have gone to bed before we finished our introductions. Uh, <laughs> listen to White Christmas on the Oz Network. <laughs> <laughs> Pulling at Jared Elliott. St- <laughs> Go watch not- Netball. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still going to say not the most unprofessional thing. I was just reminding Rossi of this when I was explaining uh, what Jamie did the last time she was on. Because he was like, oh, we have a couple episodes planned. He's like, maybe Jamie will come on. I'm like, yeah, this is what happened last time Jamie was on. Most unprofessional thing was uh, we're recording Battlefield Earth on Bad Movie Month. And... Uh, eventually Jamie and I are like, we got to start this episode because we have to wake up at five in the morning tomorrow. And Ross like, just start without me. I'll come in halfway through the episode only to come in halfway through the episode. And we asked, so what do you think of this movie? He's like, well, I got a confession to make. I only got 10 minutes into this movie. So I'm going to keep watching it as we're recording here. And I'll let you know. <laughs> wow. So yeah, uh, Rossi has yet to be topped. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, the put the cookie down thing. I mean, we were driving around and mentioned this. That was the first thing Jamie just said, put the cookie down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just, it's, it's how, uh, what would be the word? How, how angry he sounds, how loud he is. It, th- that's one of the things with Schwarzenegger is when he gets like really loud, it's just like the, um, my favorite, uh, uh, one of those types of moments with him is kindergarten cop. Not that it's not a tumor part, but, uh, when he's telling the girl to take the toy back to the carpet, take your toy and go back to the carpet. And she's like, I'm not a policeman. I'm a princess. Take your toy and go back to the carpet. And just keeps getting louder each time until eventually he just screams like inches away from this little girl's face. Take it back. <laughs> and she's like, all right. This angry Schwarzenegger cannot be beat. <laughs> and just see, him get so angry at phil hartman like because you know why he would get upset but phil hartman's egging him on too that's the other thing that makes this scene work really well like if if you're gonna say everything else in this movie is garbage fine i can't disagree with you it's fun garbage but you have your opinion on mine this scene is great <laughs> because it's everything it's him uh helping her with the cookies it's him saying you really need to take a shower and getting all like you know she's gonna be hashtagging me too this guy you know on twitter the next day but uh um, when she walks away and then Phil Hartman's all of a sudden, shop kids! As soon as she's out of the room, he turns to the world's worst babysitter dad. Uh, and then when he's on the phone, he's, he's grabbing the cookies and he burns his hand and again, he's freaking out. You kind of see that there's a dark side to this guy when he's not like putting on a show. But on the phone with Schwarzenegger, why are you eating my wife's cookies? Those are <laughs> And then he's like, well, your wife's upstairs taking a shower. <laughs> the, the She's upstairs taking a shower. Hey, you want me to go get her for you? And he's like, no, you don't. 
my wife in the shower. I <laughs> do just perfect in this scene. And like I could watch these two guys all day, just the 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 the, the dynamic they have together. It, it's just it brings a different level. Like you said, half the time you're like, Phil Hartman is kind of being a nice guy, and then other times when he's intentionally going out of his way to be like, Hey, I'm gonna sleep with your wife, man. He's like, put your dick away from my wife. <laughs> <laughs> An underrated never use out of Schwarzenegger line. Put your dick away from my wife. <laughs> Get your hands off the nipples. Those are my nipples. <laughs> I put my hands on the nipples every Christmas, just like the star. Keep your hands off the star and the nipples. <laughs> interpreted this scene and I only got it this past time because I thought this was something where it's like one of these things where you open up the ball and there's a number inside of it because they said lottery I'm assuming this is like those you know lottery things you see on TVs where they draw numbers every week and they have a ball with a number that comes out of it but I guess this is literally supposed to be I'll throw these balls in the air and whoever gets a ball you get one of the toys hmm. but every watch this I thought this was some plot hole why he's racing him to get this ball because I'm like, well, go after another ball because, like, this one may not even have the number in it. But I guess if this is actually supposed to be if anybody gets a ball, you get the toy. Um, the one thing that I wanted to mention that you you uh, left out here was uh, uh, before all the mothers start calling him pervert, he actually utters a line. And, and this is one of the things where it's like a 2018 audience is going to interpret it differently. But in 1996, I believe this honestly was just a completely innocent line that had no other meaning. But he utters the line, Hi, little girl. Look what I got for you. A shiny red ball. (laughs) And then the mother's like, pervert, pervert. (laughs) I'm 100% positive that the filmmakers intended for him to actually just be like, I've got, like, because he's literally holding up a ball for her. I got the little red ball for you. (laughs) That they actually meant that to be referring to the ball. But, you could also watch this scene like, whoa, what did he just say? Because that's the way I'm thinking. So when I'm thinking like, what a pervert. And then the mother says, a pervert, pervert. <laughs> Serves him right. <laughs> I've been in that situation it. many of times, Colin. It's just natural to me. <laughs> ben has lived this scene a couple of times. <laughs> Happened to me when I went to Mall of America, you know. <laughs> After you left, it was just kind of the next day I was there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, it's always great to see like... If there's a location you know, uh, I find this fascinating. Um, uh, like if there's a, a Facebook group where it's like classic pictures of Winnipeg where people will find, here's a picture of this intersection from 1912. And you're like, wow, look at how much has changed or look how much is still there. I find this a fascinating. So to watch 1996 Mall of America and realize in 22 years, literally the only thing that is still there is the Lego store. <laughs> like Everything else around there is completely different. They have rides. They're going to be completely different rides. But the Lego store is still there 22 years later. Like That Lego store is immortal at this point. Well, just like the Mall of America, because isn't that Minneapolis's number one tourist attraction? Or 
<laughs> and a certain diner that's coming up. Oh, God. I, I went out of my way to go to that diner when we get to that scene. Can I just point out? Like, I knew that that existed, and I did go to that because of movies. Um, we got this whole section now. Uh, maybe it's probably my least favorite part of the whole movie, probably, this section, when they take him back to the uh, the shed with this uh, Turbo Man. Uh, we've got Jim Belushi. I do like it when they're in the car, and he's, like, asking all these questions, like, when are we getting now? Where are we? It's like... What are you, Dan Rather? What is this? Sixty minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. And then when he knocks on the door, it's like, "What's the password?" Jingle bells. Batman smells. <laughs> um, leads him into this warehouse where he sells him a Turbo Man for three hundred dollars, and he opens it up, and it's what speaking in Spanish. Um, and all the little toys fall, parts fall out. I do like Jim Belushi, like, oh, it's the, uh, bilingual version, and, uh, some assembly is required. <laughs> um, doesn't get his money back, and this involves into a massive, like, brawl between all these weird sanders and elves and everything. And I don't know if you notice a blink and you miss it, Vern Troyer cameo. He's a yeah, I gets like, that. yeah, and then, uh, the big show from the WWE is, is the big Santa. Um, so that's kind of funny. Um, but I do like, maybe the one bit I like is when Arnold Schwarzenegger, basically the guy with the nunchucks, who's kind of like, whoa, 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 and Arnie just picks up the candy cane, and he's like, shut up! And just like, wow, so <laughs> Uh, maybe one bit that's kind of funny. Uh, and then it all, the cops raid the place, and Arnie pretends to be a cop. And it's basically like, this happens to be the sloppiest bust I've ever seen. I've been undercover for three years. <laughs> Get your act together and arrest someone. <laughs> um, Arnie's car breaks down, meanwhile, he runs out of petrol. And here it is, he pulls up to Mickey's dining car. Uh, I've been here. Uh, oh, it's, it's great. I'll, um, I'll, I went there with Anthony, uh, purely because of the Mighty Ducks mainly, but then I knew it was also in this movie. And I think I, um, I've probably still got it somewhere back home at dad's place. It's like, you could buy like a, a souvenir menu for like five bucks and it detailed the history and also like all the famous people that had been there. Um, but yeah, I mean, did you, have you ever been to Mickey's Dining Car when you've been to Minneapolis? No, I, the first time we went to Minneapolis, we had plenty of time and, um, we were in around the area where this was, but at that point we were so lost just trying to find our hotel that I was like, I, I just want to get to the hotel. <laughs> we were to have GPS down there. I'm like, what are we going to do? And I was like two hours of trying to find our hotel. So I just gave up on it. It's, I mean, cause it's actually in St. Paul, not Minneapolis, I think from memory. And I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure it's quite close to where the wild play. Cause I remember when, Mm-hmm. We went there, we parked, I think, pretty much outside where the Wild play, the stadium there, and then we walked around the corner to it. Um, but I had this massive plate of, like, fried goodness. It was like the Mickey's Dining Card breakfast or something like that, and barely got through all of it because it was just grease-filled, but it was good. Um, and it was just, I think, probably my first true American diner sort of experience where you've kind of got the more coffee, hun, type of woman as you walk into the store. Um yeah, it's great. Um, so Phil, um, where am I up to here? Oh, the, this is where they're outside, isn't it? And basically, uh, the son of Phil Hartman is like, maybe your parents should get a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been but great for my dad. Um, and then <laughs> runs inside, does a little Anakin, and this is where Arnie's ringing, wants to speak to, 
um, his mum. But this is maybe the worst acting in the whole movie when Jake Lloyd goes, Hey, Dad, I knew you'd call. (laughs) That is terrible, that line. Wow. Um, You can see how later on he'd grow up to drop lines about sand being coarse and rough and irritating. (laughs) Um, We should mention the reindeer has been called Ted. Because this is a bit where yeah. he says, where, where's your mother? Oh, she's next door patting Ted. Yeah. <laughs> but what? <that> was... <laughs> uh, Anakin is a bit of a dick here, though, because he's kind of like, you said you'd keep your promise. And he's like, put your mother on the phone. It's like, it's like Turbo Man says, you know, always keep your promises. <laughs> And Arnie just snaps at him. I've had it up to here with Turbo Man. If there's one person I don't want to hear advice from, it's Turbo Man, Turbo Man, Turbo Man. Shut up. Now get your mother. And then poor old little uh, Anakin starts to feel the uh, dark side build within him. Um, anger leads to hate. Hate leads to sorrow. <laughs> he snaps at uh, Arnie. Uh, you never keep your promises. You never do anything. You storms off to which. Re- Rita Wilson walks in. Damn you, Howard! <laughs> so it's all very dramatic. Poor little Jake Lloyd here. Arnie then gets his coffee at the uh, Mickey's dining cart, and apparently, again, Minneapolis is so small, he's Sinbad again. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the world's largest mail route. He really does. He's the only one working in the Twin Cities that day. Um, <laughs> they have a whole conversation here about uh, Christmas being another time for them to screw up, you know, their one chance a year to show what they can do. Um, Tells his story about getting some Omega gun or something like that. Um, he never got one, but his next door neighbor got one. He went on to be a millionaire. Arnie has a vision of little Jake Lloyd drinking. Here's to you, dad. <laughs> um, this also kind of reminds me of the Santa Claus when Neil and Laura are talking about like the, the weenie whistle and the mystery yeah. date game. Um, and we hear the radio. It's like, have you said you've been looking everywhere for Turbo Man? Well, we've got one now. You know, all you have to do is name all the reindeer, uh, the hottest toy since the same toy that Sinbad was just mentioning. Um, Honey goes to ring up in the phone because again, 1996, no one had cell phones, I guess. Uh, Sinbad breaks the cord. <laughs> Um, tries to give the answer. I love like Arnie's bashing him, and he's like nine one one nine one one. And then we get the um the assistant in the Mickey's dining car, just kind of like, hey guys, the radio station's only two blocks down the street. <laughs> so they all run outside. <laughs> I just love Arnie running down the street. Dasa dasa prata Victor comet cupertano blitzer just running around. <laughs> <laughs> runs up to the radio studio. We've got this guy, the host. He's off lots of things, isn't he? Um, uh, Martin Mull is his name. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe we can see who he's from somewhere. I know I've definitely seen him before. Um, but, like, Arnie's banging on the glass, basically saying, I want the double man, I've got the answers. And apparently the citizens of Minneapolis are so dumb, none of them can name the uh, reindeer. <laughs> what does one of them say? Like, Tito? <laughs> I was like, name's the Jackson 5 brothers. Jermaine, Tito. Jermaine, Tito. <laughs> Um, and so he's wanting it, and then Simbad shows up and pulls out a package. He's like, I've got a bomb! <laughs> it's like, that is not a bomb. It's like, don't you watch the news? Hundreds of these get sent through the post every single day. I just happen to camp- keep one. 
Uh, <laughs> what is he like? He's going on his rant and he says something about wearing a, you know, I got made fun of because my knee socks and my safari hat and the radio host guy laughs at him. <laughs> and he's like, I know your type. You're the type of guy who puts his bin in front of the mailbox. He's like, that's not true. I recycle. <laughs> um, throws the box. It's not a bomb. He's like, get down. It's a bomb. Uh, it's a musical <laughs> box. I do love the Sinbad noise where he's like, ooh, ooh. Um, and we find out that he doesn't really have a Turbo Man. He has a gift certificate for a Turbo Man, which one thing I've actually never noticed, because one thing that always annoys me in this movie is the fact that at the end, little Anakin, Jake Lloyd, is basically like, I don't want the toy. I've got the real Turbo Man at home. I'm like, bullshit, you're a kid. You still want the toy. Like, it always yeah, annoys exactly. you that he never gets a toy. But you actually see Arnie pocket... The gift certificate. So he still has that. So yeah. therefore, Jake Lloyd's going to get one. So <laughs> slight plot twist there that I've never picked up on. So there you go. Um, he, they go to leave the radio station. Uh, the cops show up, including our favorite cop who loves his little mirror. And, um, Myron again threatens with a bomb. Uh, they all escape. And it turns out this time around, it actually was a bomb. Uh, the cop is like, I was 10 years on the bomb squad. We've all been duped. This isn't a bomb. And it blows up. And the, what a random funny line I love in the movie. The way Sinbad is just like, that's really a bomb. There's some sick people in this world. There's some sick people. <laughs> And then it's like maybe the most childish part of the whole movie where this cop essentially is just that he's dead. His guts should be everywhere, but it's a kid's movie. So it's just kind of like a wily e. Coyote moment where he's just covered in like black soot and you've got one cop going, how many years did you say you were in the bomb squad, chief? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I might sort of cap it there. Uh, just again, fun stuff. Martin Mull. Yes, that's the guy's name. Yeah. Uh, most famous for playing Colonel Mustard in the Clue movie, which we covered last year here, or Rossi and I covered last year. Uh, yeah, he's another one of those guys that just appears in everything. You've seen him a million places, but can't pinpoint what it's from. Um, were you saying that your least favorite part, were you saying like the whole section of the movie was your least favorite, or just the part with the, the Jim Belushi Santa and uh, the... It's- I mean, look, it's probably the whole section with that fight. Like, I mean, it's got its fun moments, but in the whole yeah. movie, like, I can skip that scene. Yeah, no, I complete. The funny thing is, I completely agree with you, and I love Jim Belushi. I mean, he's he's hilarious. Um, but it, it's, I don't know. It it just feels like it's one step too far in this movie. Uh, and we're about to have a guy literally fly hundreds of feet in the air with a jetpack and through an action <laughs> sequence, but this just feels a little bit too much for me. Uh, it is kind of a funny idea that all these Santas and elves have this. Uh, you know, illegal uh, underground black market toy factory somewhere uh, where they're just stealing stuff and selling it to people. Uh, why it took them until Christmas Eve to get rid of this? If, if people are that desperate for Turbo Man, why it took them until Christmas Eve to get rid of this for $300? I don't know. Uh, and why anybody felt like this is the guy we want to try to pick a fight with when they look at Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, just going back to something I missed in the beginning, too. We mentioned this all the way back when we did The Sixth Day. There's a thing with Arnold Schwarzenegger where they never bother to hide his accent. They'll never address where he's from, that he's clearly like Austrian or you can't even identify what he is even though we know he's Austrian. But he's always playing like you know Mr. Joe America. <laughs> and you see movies where he's obviously like a police officer, uh, like Kindergarten Cop or End of Days or – uh, a fireman in collateral damage or a pilot in six day uh, construction worker like these these blue collar jobs who said 
your typical American mattress salesman is Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not integral to the plot for him to be a mattress salesman. You could have come up with anything. Like, it's always kind of a running joke that, like, Schwarzenegger is just your average, everyday American guy. And they give him these these jobs, like police officer or pilot or whatever. But it's stuff like construction worker where it, it, it makes sense. A mattress salesman. <laughs> Why did they say of all things, let's make him a mattress salesman in this movie? I just find that funny. Did you see the uh, statistics, is- Colin, in the mid-90s after this movie about how many people went into the profession of mattress sales oh, it uh, was after huge. this? It's just huge. It spiked. 1997, I mean- 1998. Wow. I'm ready to go back to mattress school college just so I can <laughs> yeah. you know, change careers at this point because this movie's inspired me. <laughs> You're my number one customer. <laughs> but... Uh, but th- this it's kind of connecting with that um other movies will address his size and outside of the one line from phil hartman in this movie where he says why don't you go back to bench pressing or whatever you can't bed press your way out of this one i think is his line uh outside of that one line nobody addresses the fact that this guy is a monster so just the idea in this scene where they're like we can pick a fight with this guy just it doesn't make sense it's like the movie was written for tim allen and they didn't update anything when they got schwarzenegger on um <laughs> But the, the the fight scene still has a couple of funny moments, like you said. The one ninja elf is funny. Um, I was sort of doing a double take, and again, I don't know how many times I watched this movie and not noticed that was the big show until this time where I, I looked. I'm like, wait a second, and maybe it's because I just had it in my head we we came off of Hulk Hogan and Santa with muscles, Bill Goldberg and Santa slays. Half of our movies feature professional wrestlers as uh, Christmas characters here. Um, Bing Crosby was uh, known for his uh, wrestling oh, yeah. career as well, so all yeah. of them. And, and, and uh, of course, Miss Piggy, you know, she she started the WWE Divas trend, didn't she? Yeah, the, the, the famous Flaming Tables match with Bing Crosby against Danny Kay from 1954. <laughs> oh, classic. Everyone talks about it. Uh, snow, oh, I can't wait snow. For next- <laughs> snow, snow, snow. <laughs> Featuring uh, guinea pigs as well somewhere in the background. <laughs> <laughs> uh do we have like a reindeer theme going on here um like reindeer is the only thing that white christmas does have reindeer is in every christmas movie including this a pet reindeer why could we could we get a pet reindeer where were the pet guinea pigs in white christmas come <laughs> yeah, on come on so dear in phil hartman's yard which by the way i love that that reindeer has no leash on it and just roams around the neighborhood <laughs> Like, this is just a safe suburb. <laughs> I don't think that's allowed. I don't think that's allowed anywhere in the world. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, the, the the diner scene too. It's just it, it's kind of just your generic. Oh, I'm so down and out scene. Uh, but but Sinbad really does make it when he gives his speech about that toy that he wanted as a kid. Um, and then the, the radio station thing, like this almost goes too far. Oh, I, I can't forget to talk about, like you mentioned the, the police thing, which is one of Schwarzenegger's best moments in this movie where he's like, uh, uh, saying, it's like, wait till the commissioner hears about this. And everybody's like, they're hanging their heads in shame. That's great. <laughs> but, uh, when they get to the radio station here, they're running two blocks to the radio station, which takes them approximately 40 minutes, I noticed. Like, these are the slowest runners in Minneapolis. They're not very in shape. Maybe this is why there's no talk about them being so big. Um, but yeah, like, all the listeners, just the fact that he could get in, like, this is the hottest toy for Christmas. Like, what is this radio station? Did we hear the music that was playing there? If this is something where they just play, like, I don't know, like, jazz hits of the 30s, and you know that only people 
who are way outside of the range to even know who Turboman is would be listening to this. It would make sense. The short sender could get through, but I remember as a kid, every time there was like a contest on the radio for something and you'd call in and they'd say like our ninth caller or something, you would just dial over and over and over again. And chances are you would get a busy signal for several minutes straight. So this is a very unpopular radio station that he could even get through, let alone walk in there. And the uh, Jermaine and Tito. <laughs> That's Not even close. Come and keep it down. <laughs> um, they could not have made this an easier question too. like, they're really desperate for ratings. This is like the um, Saturday Night Live parody of Celebrity Jeopardy. It was like, what color is this? Like, could they have just asked, what color is Rudolph's nose? And people are like, uh, teal, maybe? Rhyming with Fanta, this man delivers <laughs> presents to kids on Christmas Eve. Uh, Lanta? <laughs> Nat Lanta? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is just the most idiotic. They really don't do justice for Minneapolis here. Uh, the moment when all the police officers are holding down Myron, I couldn't help but write hashtag justice for Myron here. <laughs> 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 something else in 2018 that takes on a completely different meaning. <laughs> um, and the fact that he keeps saying it's a bomb or whatever. Like, it, I almost don't know how to feel about the joke when they walk out and the bomb literally does blow up. Like... You've just attempted murder on a police officer. Like, if you run down the things the Schwarzenegger, there's going to be more things to come here. You run down the things that Schwarzenegger does in this movie, he's probably going to jail by the time this is over. And, and they take off the that six day all over again. He's the villain of this film. <laughs> yes. You know, he's sexually harassing a three-year-old girl earlier in the movie. <laughs> He's doing black market trading, de- illegal black market trading deals. He's impersonating a police officer. Here, he is a terrorist <laughs> and attempted murder of a police officer. And animal cruelty is still to come. <laughs> this man is locked away for life by the time this movie is over. I'm calling it. <laughs> Destroying city property. Other <laughs> 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 um, uh, dr- driving. Yeah. <laughs> Destroying police property. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, Arnie goes back to his car, which apparently is on the mean streets of Minneapolis because it's been completely... <laughs> I just wanted to it over there. Just really <laughs> call back. What on earth is happening? Uh, but he somehow gets in a tow truck, which drags him back home. Um, and he sees Ted putting the star up on the tree and we find out that this is a big tradition that Howard does every year. Um, so he gets angry and he wants to go across and steal, uh, Turbo Man under Phil Hartman's tree. Um, he goes in there, gets the box, shakes it for some reason and automatically this makes a, it's turbo time noise when he shakes it. Um, then there are carolers at the door. I do love Phil Hartman. Do you hear that? Carolers! And just the way he, like, grabs her, puts his arm around her, and she kind of, like, you know, moves away from her. Um, Arnie goes to sneak out, realises he's wrong. What am I doing? I'm stealing from a little child. Um, and then in the process, of course, uh, the reindeer <laughs> runs after him. Uh, he accidentally starts a fire, kicks out, what is it, Balthazar's head into the <laughs> <laughs> um, nearly kills the carolers. 
Phil Hartman catches him. They all, um, you know, come in and confront him. What is it? What are you doing? It looks like you're stealing presents from under my tree. Um, and this is when Rita's finally had enough. Rita Wilson is like, no, screw you, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm sick of your truth. I'm going to go spend Christmas with our son at the parade. Can you drive me, Phil? Like, this guy is getting a bit rapey and she's still going along with him. Yeah. Like, she knows what's going on at this point, too. Yeah. Um, th- this is a lie. Let's just say it, She's asking for it. Is that what you're yeah. getting at? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Apparently, like I'm just I'm part of the patriarchy here, Colin. I'm saying that the <laughs> the victim's fault. It's all their fault. Um, the, this is where Phil Hartman says you can't bench press your way out of this one. Um, again, just a complete random funny moment is when the reindeer just runs at Arnie and he just punches a reindeer. <laughs> It's like, you started it. <laughs> um, they're driving to the Christmas parade. Anakin Skywalker's sad because he can't get his Jedi training yet. Uh, little Johnny. Little Johnny's a dick. Uh, <laughs> just like, Turbo Man will be there. You can always count on him. Uh, <laughs> uh, good for him. Um, then we're going to have the introduction here of the Wintertainment Parade. I love the two hosts of the Wintertainment Parade. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Johnny from Channel 39, and here's Rita from The Weather or whatever it is. And the way they're like, let's watch and listen. And they, like, in unison, um, like, sort their notes on the table. Oh, it's so funny. Um, The kids want to get out of the car and line up because, again, the mean streets of Minneapolis where cars just get their tires stolen and shredded. They don't care about their kids running away. Um, Phil Hartman has a bit of a creepy look on his face as he's like, oh, you and I are going to be in the car alone together. Um, Arnie, meanwhile, is drinking a beer with the reindeer and he's basically <laughs> like, I'm not going to start up. I'm going to keep my promise. Gives the rest of the beer to the reindeer. Gets in a taxi, uh, and then you got this taxi driver. Oh, I can't get you any closer. The parade's on. Turbo Man's gonna be there. <laughs> I, I just, I don't understand Christmas parades. I went to a Christmas parade here in the beautiful city of Invercargill, where I'm living now, like a week ago, and like eighty percent of this parade, no, ninety percent of this parade had nothing to do with Christmas. There were people dressed up as like Frozen characters, which okay, slightly Christmassy. There was a freaking Star Wars float with the worst dressed up Star Wars float I've ever seen in my life. There was like freaking all these other characters there, Thomas the Tank Engine and everything, and there was like two things to do with Santa. Like, why is it called a Santa parade? Is this a thing that parades are just done because like, oh, it's Christmas. So why is Turbo Man the biggest thing? Santa's meant to be the star of these parades, right? Uh, I mean, he's the climax for it, but apparently not with this one. <laughs> like, Turbo Man is the climax. And the funny thing is, like, I understand that Turbo Man is huge or whatever, but, like, they have massive characters in this parade, like Sonic the Hedgehog and other things, and they're just, like, the warm-up act. Like, I don't know yeah. why Turbo Man was so much bigger than everything else on the planet in this. But, I, I, I mean, we have, like, the Santa Claus parade here, too, and it's pretty much the same thing. More or less, I think it's just opportunities for, like, you know, in some cases, it's product placement. Uh, let's put this in the parade. Or if it's a local one, then they might do, like, this local business will sponsor this float. And what are we going to do? I don't know. We got this giant inflatable Elsa. Let's make an Elsa float <laughs> on the uh, Poolins uh, uh, Extermination Company, which is a real company here in Winnipeg, by the way. <laughs> they do bug and pest removal. <laughs> Official sponsor uh, of the Oz Network. 
Yeah, that's right. They will be now. Them and their inflatable Elsa. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> somehow um, Ted and Liz get a car spot because, you know, this is a big city-wide parade and they just happen to get one pretty close to where... It is. It's, it's just a movie thing, isn't it? They always get a car park wherever they want to go. Uh, this is where there Ted are less gets a bit... people here than there were at the karate test. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck Turbo Man. I want to go see karate. <laughs> uh, Ted gets a bit rapey here. Uh, can't hide our feelings anymore. I oh, felt for you as you were mixing Italian dressing or something like that. And <laughs> do you know how many women would want to be in your position right now? And Reed Wilson's all like, lucky me. Um, I wonder if Tom Hanks watches this one and just wanted to punch Phil Hartman. I don't know. Uh, Tom Hanks doesn't want to the punch same, anyone. Tom, Tom Hanks is too nice. The same year he wrote his wife trying to get in the pants of a man half her age. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote in his own movie. Tom Hanks has some dark secrets. He, uh, he has a fetish for his wife getting it on with other men. <laughs> It's like Tom Cruise that we discovered, like, with uh, Katie Holmes. What was it like? Oh, Katie, you know your friend? Can I have her in my movie to have sex with her? Uh, imagine Tom Cruise in this movie. He'd be running a lot more. <laughs> yeah, that running scene would have been done in half the time. Oh, God. Um... Arnie uh, is uh, trying to rush to get to the parade, runs into the cop again. <laughs> um, he sees uh, his wife and uh, Ted getting a little bit close in the car. This is never addressed. Can we just point this out? That at no point is this ever raised later on. Like, Arnie's like, what are you doing with Ted? I saw him put this down the tree and I saw him rubbing you in the car. <laughs> Why were you like, petting him outside? I don't understand. Did, did, did Ted see you in the shower? He's very forgiving. Yeah, like from uh, his perspective, from his perspective, this day has gone. He left the house. Ted came over, watched his wife shower. His kid admitted that his wife was petting the, the the neighbor outside, and now he sees them getting mighty close in a car. They should be having a serious conversation instead of just Jimmy. <laughs> Can they re-edit this movie so the scene when he like he comes home and sees him putting the the tree on the star? Uh, the star on the tree, and then, like, when he's in the car, like, just re-edit it, like, with six-day scenes, so, like, it's just, it's a carbon copy of him. Like, you know that scene when he comes home with Simpal Cindy, and he sees yeah. himself in the moon? <laughs> I'm Simpal Cindy! Oh, I remember her. Oh, uh, can you imagine if the six-day had him coming home, and it was Phil Hartman in there instead of himself? <laughs> They're all connected, these movies. So, this guy like... steals all my wives, what's with him? Star Wars Episode 1, the, the scene between Shmi and Qui-Gon, when it's like, who was his father? There was no father. And then it kind of, like, fades, like, doo -doo 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 -doo, and it goes back and we see, like, Arnie having a fight with Rita. You, you slept with someone else. I'm going away. <laughs> no, what I want is I want somebody to re-edit Phantom Menace, who is his father? And then you cut to a thought bubble coming out of Shmi's head, and it's like Phil Hartman's like, oh, these cookies are so good! Um, there was no father. Sorry. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and the reason why Anakin builds C-3PO is because he never got Turbo Man! He wanted yes. an action figure! There we go! Like, we're establishing finish how this happens. Well, the reason he doesn't finish him is because this was supposed to be Turbo Man. So yes. when he's later on, it's like, oh, you got your coverings. It's like, oh, where's your jetpack and the red helmet? 
I had it on the plans. Why do you sound like a gay British man? Oh, I see, Master Anakin. That's not what you're meant to sound like. Say it's turbo time. It's when turbo don't you know time, how to follow the robotics, uh, robotics description here? Come on. <laughs> I have to it doesn't look anything like Booster. <laughs> And that's why he wanted to be Darth Vader, because it slightly resembles Dementor. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> and he kills younglings because they remind him of the present son. I killed all of them. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> it's all everyone's fault. He's holding me back. How are we going to cover that movie next year? We can't even get through it. We're not even covering it. I hate all of them. Anyway, um, so um, Rita Wilson pours eggnog over Ted. Yay, go girl. Um, Hashtag me too. Um, Hides away from... Uh, oh, that's, you know, I do like Phil Hartman's line. Well, that didn't exactly go as well as I had hoped. Um, Arnie runs into a building to hide from the cop, and he gets basically uh, dressed and undressed and turned into Turbo Man. I do love this random assistant guy who's kind of like, Oh, I hope you got through the notes that we sent through. We did this, we did that. Oh, and uh, he's showing brain functionality, and that's a really good sign. <laughs> I do like that bit. But this is another one of those moments where what happens to the actual guy who's meant to be playing Turbo Man? At least we kind of get a bit of an explanation with the guy playing Dementor. But, you know, does this guy just not show up because he's afraid he's going to get brain damage or something? Like, where is this guy? (laughs) Just like the other Santa in Santa with Muscles. Yes. There's a lot of no-shows for Christmas here. It's the same person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so then, yeah, we gotta get this big reveal to see him that he is Turbo Man. We've got Booster. I do love Arnie's like, I'm Turbo Man. It's like, who the hell do you think you are? Mary Poppins? <laughs> um, and just Arnie's reaction is like, this is cool. I can get into this. <laughs> just like the way he's like flexing his way up there. Uh, we then see poor old Dementor, the guy playing Dementor having a smoke. He's been kidnapped and tied up with, uh, Tinsel. Uh, we find out that Arnie can get to give away a special edition Turbo Man doll, which looks a lot bigger than the other Turbo Mans that he's been, uh, chasing. The cop who's given up chasing Arnie, he's not a very good cop, is he? He just, he's been blown up before. He's been after Sinbad, who's attempted murder of cops, and Arnie who keeps running into him. And here he is just watching the Santa parade. Um, and he chooses Jamie, points at him, Jamie! Uh, Jamie! <laughs> and again, going back, Mallory was watching, well, okay, Mallory half watched this movie. About halfway through, she started reading a book, so clearly she wasn't into it that much. Um, you found somebody to read. There's hope for your children. 
I know, right? Like some of them will know what to do. Um, but she pointed out an obvious thing. Like when, uh, little Jake Lloyd's up here and gets a toy, how does she not know, how does he not know that that's his dad? Cause like, as you were saying about with the accent, they don't exactly hide it. It's like, wow, Turbo Man, you sound just like my dad. Are you from Austria too? <laughs> well, cause they even say, like, we have a special voice modulator, which will make you sound exactly like Turbo Man. And then a litter just comes out and says, Jamie! <laughs> Put the cookie down, Jamie! That's the way a real Turbo Man sounds, apparently. Put it down! Put it down now! <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yes, he brings him up on stage. Hooray, he's finally got the Turbo Man doll after all this effort. But then we see uh, Dementor coming on the uh, float and, oh, no, it's Sinbad. Because, again, he just happens to know where Arnie is everywhere. Um and we just get this, it's kind of a pretty cool fight sequence. So at the end, it's so over the top and cheesy, but it's funny, including the bit where poor old Booster falls off. It's like, no one likes you, Booster. <laughs> <laughs> All the little kids come in and like, we hate you, Booster, and start kicking the shit out of <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. That's like, um, what was the guy in Power Rangers one who was like, ay, 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 ay. Like, <laughs> I never watched it. Oh, really? Oh, that guy. I'd be like if everyone starts bashing him up. Well, no one liked him in the Power Rangers, did they? Um, it all evolves into little Jake Lloyd running up a building and climbing up onto a Christmas tree. Um, Rita Wilson to the inept Minneapolis PD basically going on and being like, Oh, that's my son. It's like, Oh, he's such a good part of the show, ma'am. This isn't an act. <laughs> <laughs> Still just stand there and do nothing. There's no helicopters or anything flying after this. Um, Arnie learns how to fly. I do love the, um, the announcer people who are like, fly, Turbo Man, use your jetpack! <laughs> <laughs> I want her job. Uh, <laughs> he's like flying up with this guy. I think I'm getting used to this. Oh! <laughs> he like fly, spins around the side and like dry reaches at some point smashes through somebody's Christmas dinner, goes head first into a wall, like the last guy who did this got brain damage, how does Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. survive? Um, and it all comes to a big head right at the top of the building where uh, Simbad and Jamie are hanging from the uh, the Christmas tree um, and poor old Sinbad falls down. He's like, I got the toy. And then all the cops basically point guns at him. Jamie falls. Turbo Man catches him. Can I just point out that Rita Wilson is way too calm? <laughs> She's just kind of watching. Yeah, I know. He's like going like, oh, okay. Like, if that's Casper, are you just going to be like, oh, look at him. Oh, you know, like, no, you're going to be shitting yourself. Um, and then we all ends with... Poor old little Jake Lloyd. Oh, I wish Dad was here to see this. It's all my fault. You know, I had an argument. This is where Arnold Schwarzenegger should be like, Yes, it is your fault, you little shit. And your mother's been cheating on you with a neighbor. <laughs> I've had it with this crap. And <laughs> just like storms off. But uh, he pulls off the helmet. And this is where we get the I'm your father bit <laughs> very much. Um, but it's being cut off. Takes off his helmet. Um, Rita Wilson is a little bit turned on by him being Turbo Man. He's like, Howard... Um, I do like the cop when he salutes him and he's like, you know, we could use a guy like you in the force. And he's just like, I'm sorry for everything. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry for the bike. I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for the bomb. And I do love the way that Rita Wilson, they cut to her. She's just kind of like, bomb. Bomb. Um, (laughs) And uh, Jamie does the ultimate sacrifice by giving the Turbo Man doll back to Sinbad because he's got the real Turbo Man at home. 
Um, which again, like he's going to jail, Sinbad. <laughs> like, can, <he> really, <laughs> can he give this toy off to his son at some point? Um, it ends. We have the credits, and then there's a post-credit scene where Rita Wilson basically is like, "Oh, you know, it shows how much you love your son. You went to all this effort to try and get this toy. What did you try and get me?" And then we get the big zoom in on his face, like that shocked Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, face at the end. Which there was a sequel to this movie, but we'll maybe talk about that in a minute. It's nothing to do with Arnold Schwarzenegger. But there you go, jingle all the way. Uh, one funny thing that happens at the parade is that you have these these two kids who are watching it, and it, just like uh, the montage with all the toy um, uh, the toy stores earlier on, you're seeing real stuff here. I mean, they've they've got Son- like I said, Sonic the Hedgehog is there, and uh, everything else is big at the time, like Power Rangers or uh, Ninja Turtles, Star Wars, whatever, and. <laughs> the point where the cat in the hat walks up, the two <laughs> kids look at each other and they high five each other. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how Cat in the Hat movie got made. Like, yeah, uh, exactly. Years later, <laughs> there's a studio executive somewhere thinking this is real. Like, I guess Cat in the Hat's really popular among kids. <laughs> I can't imagine any kids anywhere in the world. Like, if you're at your parade, like, well, let, let me let me take Casper there, right? <laughs> um, well, he's a little bit too young. He, he would want to see Cat in the Hat or Peppa Pig or something like that. But um, let's imagine yourself as a kid and you've got like, you know, uh, a Velociraptor and you've got Darth Vader and uh, anything else, uh, Power Rangers or Ninja Turtles and all that stuff. Then the Cat in the Hat comes up and you're like, Cat the Hat! Yeah! And you start freaking out. Like you're the world's lamest kid. <laughs> Thank you're you. the kid – <laughs> you really were. Sorry, you did. You did freak out about that. But like, you're the one. Anybody who high fives at the cat in the hat in a parade is a real loser, as far as I'm concerned. Um, that just needed to be said. And uh, that's why he was cast as Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> that's the real cat reason. In the hat? No, Fuck! He's Darth Vader. It's like that scene in the Home Alone. Like, he's worried about I didn't get a turban to him. I'm like. You're high-fiving to the cat in the hat. Like in Home Alone where he's talking about having the bird, big bird on his sweater. It's like, not for kid in the third grade. You could get beat up for wearing something like that. You should get beat up for high-fiving to the cat in the freaking hat. Like, come on. That's not even a cool Dr. Seuss. If it's the Grinch, maybe. Uh, <laughs> Lorax, something. The cat in the hat. But uh, I guess going along with that um, uh, parade thing you mentioned earlier about characters that just don't belong. Uh, <laughs> have anything to do with Christmas. If you had the rights to Dr. Seuss, why is the Grinch not in here and why is the cat in the hat in here um, yeah the whole car rapey scene I, I don't know if in a kids movie even nowadays with kid 22 years later I don't know if this scene plays the same way they may make it more subtle and not actually have him physically touching her <laughs> while he's making his advances um, but I love what you said because I didn't really think about that like from Schwarzenegger's perspective he doesn't see her push him away at any point and the last conversation he had was she's outside petting Ted. <laughs> so <laughs> he should really be concerned about his marriage right now and not worried about giving the toy to Jamie. <laughs> it's the way he screams that I love. Uh, and I also love the scene where he gets in the Turbo Man outfit and they're like, uh, good news. The guy who's in the Turbo Man outfit, they said they registered brain activity this morning. That's a good sign. <laughs> I just love that. Is that uh, how you yell and- at Jamie? Are you like, Jamie? <laughs> I keep waiting for it to come in here and be like, what? What? <laughs> I'm 
gonna just do that from now on. Like anytime I'm trying to get her attention, I'm just gonna point in slow motion and go, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, I got a little bit of a issue with this police officer who's gone through everything. I mean, he's had his bike knocked over. He, the last time we saw him, he literally had a bomb explode in his hands. <laughs> so how do we top that? Let's spill coffee on his oversized bandages. Like, his hands are bandaged so much that they're the size of boxing gloves, and a cup of coffee spills on him, and he's like, ah! <laughs> Like, I'm sure that these screenwriters could have come up with something to top it, where he ends up in a body cast or something, and they'll spill coffee on him. Um, but I love that he keeps coming back. And just doing a bit of research, I, I, I found just clicking through the cast here, the guy that plays the police officer, Robert Conrad, he starred in the original 60s Wild Wild West TV show. This is the guy that Will Smith played in the movie. Um, so I, don't I can know, see the resemblance. That... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why? What's different about them, Ben? <laughs> Nothing at all. They look the same. <laughs> look at their faces. They all look the same. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this cop. Every time he comes back, it's like it's it's just an added bonus. And they could have ended this earlier. And it's not one of these jokes that's just played to death. Where you're like, oh, I'm just done with this already. It's still fun. Now the parade, I also have a problem with because, as you mentioned, this was not filmed in Minneapolis. Which big surprise. It does not look like it's filmed anywhere. This parade goes for about one block. Like, and we don't even see the end. We see one street that seems to be a dead end, and the other street just is nothing. And why does this parade stop? Like, the idea of a parade is it goes forever. Like, uh, the, the, the parade that we have, the Santa Claus parade here, will basically start uh, at the Polo Park shopping center and end at, like, the Portage Place shopping center, which would take you probably about five to ten minutes to drive that distance. So a parade will go for, like, blocks upon blocks upon blocks, and the idea is that it doesn't matter where you are, you could be, you know, here or you could be two kilometers away and you're just waiting for the parade to get to you. That's the only difference. So why does this whole parade stop in this one block that seems to go nowhere, hit a dead end, and they do this big stage show? I mean, are there people like a kilometer away who are wondering, like, oh, is Turbo Man ever going to come? Like, everything just stopped for a second because the parade stops for this Turbo Man skit that they do. Um, and and also, I love the the police officers. Like, it's okay, ma'am. It's all part of the show. Um, like, did they brief him on this ahead of time? Are, are they actually following the script? Because the commentators say, like, was that part of the script? <laughs> and meanwhile, this police officer, like, I'm pretty sure if you had something going on where you're firing off jetpacks, you're going to have people shooting each other, you're going to have a child chased through, you know, uh, Minneapolis, that you're going to inform the authorities, okay, if this happens, it's all part of the show. So apparently this is exactly the way it was scripted, and Jake Lloyd just happened to go along <laughs> with it. Um, He's a Sinbad getting the... T- I, I do love, like you mentioned, some of it's a little bit too over the top with like the jetpack going, uh, <laughs> I don't know, about 20,000 feet in the air, and then he just falls back down to earth. But I mean, it's still fun. I, I, I don't mind it. Um, but when Jake Lloyd gives the toy to Sinbad, like, he doesn't even know this story. He's just sort of overheard him say, well, I guess my kid's not getting the toy for Christmas. This guy just tried to kill you, seven-year-old. You <laughs> lost it on your dad for apparently in his mind being at work on christmas eve and not coming to a parade this man just tried to kill you and throw you off a building and you're like i think his son deserves the toy that's just wrong like we we 
pinpointed is Sinbad is going to jail in this over. Schwarzenegger is going to jail too, but Sinbad's for sure going to jail. He just tried to kill a kid in front of all of Minneapolis. <laughs> and the kid is like, I want to give the toy to him. Like, I, it would be okay if he's like, I don't need the toy. Turbo Man's, I got a real Turbo Man at home. Uh, but that, that brings me to my, my other point, which is what the, the best way to end this movie. And that's it. Like, is it, would it be lame if it was actually just one of these lines like, I got the real thing at home. Like, my dad's a real Turbo Man. And he's just commenting. It's like, my dad's just as good as Turbo Man. When I'm a kid, um, if I'm going to a parade like this, and I'm assuming it's the same thing with him because they're not saying we're going to see a Turbo Man skit at a parade. He's like, we're going to see Turbo Man. This kid probably thinks that Turbo Man is real. So is this ending completely different if he actually thinks that Turbo Man is real dad? Because he came to this parade saying we're going to see Turbo Man. If he thinks Turbo Man is a real person <laughs> and all of a sudden he takes off his mask and it's his dad, he's watching that show the next day asking, so dad, when uh, the, the president's kid was taken by Dementor, what was going through your head? That's the sequel I want to see is like a week later. This kid thinking his dad really is Turbo Man, and now Schwarzenegger has to come up with a whole thing to cover for the fact that uh, that he's not actually Turbo Man, and he's got to fake it for his kid. That's the way I like to look at this ending. And it's also um, going to have more plot holes, too, because, like, at the end of the day, this kid's pretty demanding as it is, and, you know, how it's pretty busy. Oh, yeah. So, like, so like Dad, Dad, can you be Turbo Man? I want to play. Oh, no, Jamie, i got to go sell some mattresses. But, Dad, you yeah. promised you're Turbo Man. You never lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... I actually really do like the last scene. You know, you went through all this to to please your son. What did you get me? And then that look on his face. I love that. But why is it a post-credit scene? Mm. Like, because this movie just sort of abruptly ends with the whole, I got the real Turbo Man at home. And it, it almost feels like there was like this big triumphant ending where it's like, yay, Jamie, in slow motion. <laughs> and it just sort of cuts the credits. Is there any reason why this bonus scene could not have been the last scene of the movie? They fade into them decorating the tree or whatever. Oh, yeah, I got this star on and I get my cookies and my wife nipples and everything. <laughs> and that's just the last scene of the movie. And then you go to credits. It just it felt weird to have that as a post credit scene. But, uh, you know, I mean, otherwise... It's going to be like, you don't get nothing. You're sleeping with a neighbor. Fuck you. Exactly. There's the other thing. Jamie thinks that he really is Turbo Man. He's got to cover for that. And then the sequel is that they're divorced because he still thinks his wife's sleeping with Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman, who, by the way, is not a bad guy, as we said, despite the fact that he just tried to rape a woman in the car. Which, I mean, he did go that far. We don't want to – people actually aren't familiar with this movie. He literally just puts his arm around her and he gets a little bit affectionate with her. But, but like, there's nothing wrong with Phil Hartman. And it's actually I, – I wish that they'd gone a little bit further with this where it, there's that moment where um uh he, he, as you said he commits arson another one of his crimes and then he's like <laughs> what am i doing i'm robbing a child of his gift it actually says the most loving from your loving father or something like that i'm like you almost could have gone even further with phil hartman and, and just had a little bit of closure with him and his kid because like not only is he at times a little bit inappropriate, but he legitimately is like the best father in this movie. And like Schwarzenegger is a bad father. Phil Hartman's way better person than he is overall. So I'm going to go along with you on that. This isn't just our thing where it seems to be our gimmick that we see a movie and we find you know the good stuff in the, the villains and we find that somebody else might be a bad person after all. Phil Hartman's a good dad. <laughs> like 
if anything, this movie should be at least have a scene of Schwarzenegger saying to Phil Hartman, I know you tried to sleep with my wife, but I really learned a powerful lesson from how you love your son. And that's the way that the movie should end. Like, it would have been nice to have a scene like that on there because Phil Hartman doesn't deserve anything bad to happen to him. And then he obviously gets some advice. Can you tell me how to inappropriately touch women so I can sleep with my nanny in a few <laughs> years' time, please? Use <laughs> your daddy and what do. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Maria Shiver and Rita Wilson are the same person. So even if she divorces <laughs> me, I still have Rita Wilson. Tom Hanks and I have an agreement. <laughs> <laughs> they do a wife swap. We know it, right? <laughs> Oh, Lord. Um, so this movie wasn't exactly well received. Uh, <laughs> I would say quickly, there was a sequel uh, called Jingle All The Way 2 with everybody other's favourite person who has also been accused uh, several times of sexual assault or whatever it was, uh, Larry the Cable Guy. Um, wasn't he, did, he, did he not just masturbate in front of people? Isn't that what he did? Which is still sexual assault, I guess. I don't know. I never I was, heard that. <laughs> was it Larry the Cable Guy who did that? Or am I thinking of someone else? Uh, what if there's people out there because this is the world we live in somebody sees like some story on the internet they're like well that's got to be true this is gonna explode now larry the cable guy is probably like the the phil hartman in real life like he's such a good dad and now we have just put it out there didn't phil hartman like molest a bunch or didn't larry the cable guy molest a bunch of women oh no it wasn't (laughs) larry the cable guy hang on (laughs) we're so how do we clear this up? And Larry the Gable guy is not a race rapist, people. <laughs> um, no, it was somebody famous. They got like caught doing that, and then they like the whole career went to shit. Um, oh, sorry, masturbating. Yeah. He wasn't a rapist. He no. just masturbated in front of people. Well, it's still Thanks, bad. Larry the Gable. <laughs> um, I'm trying to find who it was, and when you Google it, it comes. Oh, it was, it was um Louis Louis C K or whatever his name is. Oh, not- yeah. Not even remotely close. Sorry, Larry the Cable Guy. I'm sorry to... <laughs> Just please. I'm begging you, Ben, when you put this episode up on Twitter, please add hashtag hands off Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> Let's just see if it catches on. Um, I loved you in Cars. Your voice work with Mater is fantastic. That's the only thing I know you from. Um, so, Apologies. <laughs> But let's be honest, by the time we release this, probably something is going to come out against him anyway. So, like, it could be, like, the Roger Moore thing. Who knows? Anyway, go watch the sequel. Larry the Cable Guy was masturbating in front of a bunch of kids in a ball pit (laughs) in Mall of America. We were like, we called it! (laughs) Well, come on, it's just like us calling Tom Cruise gay. Like, we're going to get some ratings somehow by getting sued, so... Hey, Larry, if you hear this and you want to sue us, can you also pass it on to Tom Cruise that we called him gay a bunch of times so he can sue us too? Because he'll probably get more publicity for us because he's a little bit more famous than you are. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> just <laughs> putting it out there. <laughs> Didn't he in front of a bunch of people? This is on our best of show. Find the time to <laughs> I think Larry the Cable Guy and Tom Cruise just went around to people's houses, whipped it out, and just started going to town in front of people. I want to imagine Larry the Cable Guy listening to this episode, because that's what he does with his time now. And it's just that he's having a lot of trouble for masturbating for a bunch of people. He stops it right there. We get a cease and desist letter in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) 
You and I are going to be in jail in like three years' time. <laughs> Next to like Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey. Like, what did you do? Oh, accuse people of sexual assault? Oh. <laughs> it's Larry the Cable Guy of being a sexual predator. <laughs> but we got famous from it. Our podcast got huge ratings. <laughs> I was mentioned on Stephen Colbert. I'm famous. Woo! <laughs> and I'm sharing a shell with uh, Kevin Spacey. How you doing, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> so they had a sequel, huh? It was. It's called Jiggle All the Way too. It's turned that sexual predator like the cable guy. <laughs> Cable guy! Cable guy! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, um, apparently it was bad, so, um... (laughs) Of course it was! (laughs) The pervert like that, star! (laughs) Um... (laughs) No wonder no one listens to us. Um... The reception for this film was negative. It has a 16% rating on Rotten Tomatoes uh, based on 43 reviews and an average rating of 4 out of 10. The critical consensus reads, Arnold Schwarzenegger tries his best, but Jingle All The Way suffers from an uneven tone, shifting widely from a would-be satire on materialism to an antic slapstick yuck fest. Um, it has a B-plus on cinema score. Um, Emmanuel Levy felt the film was highly formulaic and criticised Levant's direction as little more advanced than a television sitcom, although he felt Hartman, Wilson and Conrad were not given much opportunity. Uh, can I just point out that <laughs> Neil Jeffries of Empire disagreed, um... That Oh, uh, in the remainder of that review, he said that Schwarzenegger has developed a light comic delivery punctuated occasionally by ironic one-liner, while Sinbad has his good moments. Neil Jeffries of Empire disagreed, feeling Schwarzenegger to be wooden and Sinbad to be trying desperately to be funnier than his hat, but praise Lloyd as the saving grace of the film. (laughs) Who are you, Neil Jeffries? (laughs) You're a stupid idiot like Peter Travers. (laughs) Probably went to the same film critic school. Um, so a positive one here. IGN's Mike Drucker praised its subject matter as one of the few holiday movies to directly deal with commercialization of Christmas, although felt the last 20 minutes of the film let it down as the first hour or so had some family entertainment value if taken with a grain of salt. He concluded the film was a member of the so corny it's good genre, while Arnold delivers plenty of one-liners right for soundboard crank callers. Put that cookie down! Um, that it... Got went on to get nominated for one Razzie Award. Um, Brian Levant got nominated for Worst Director, but lost to Andrew Bergman of Striptease. Um, but Sinbad went on to win the Blockbuster Entertainment Award for Favourite Supporting <laughs> Actor in a Family Film. He holds that up as high as most people do an Oscar. He's like, I yeah. won a Blockbuster Entertainment Award. Um... This movie uh, had a lawsuit against it. I don't know if you knew this. Um, mm-hmm, Murray, Hill, Murray Hill Publishing sued 20th Century Fox, saying uh, that the f- idea for the film was stolen from a screenplay they had purchased from high school teacher Brian Webster, entitled Could This Be Christmas? Um, and saying that 36 similarities were found between the two films. Uh, eventually, they won. They got like $19 million. But then the guy uh, behind the suing, uh, Bob Laurel, died. 
didn't get any of the money. Then it was appealed and put down to $1.5 million. And then later on in 2004, it was thrown out. And the judge declared that the idea was not stolen as Fox had brought the screenplay before anybody else at Fox had read the other one. So there's some <laughs> drama coming your way out of that. Um, box office wise, this did go on to make, uh, $60 million domestically, um, plus a further $69 million in the foreign market, made a total of $129 million. Uh, it was a production budget of 80 million, uh, sorry, $60 million. Uh, it opened on the weekend, uh, number four film, uh, the number one film that movie, uh, number one movie that weekend, sorry, was Star Trek First Contact. Um, followed by Space Jam and Ransom. Uh, Jingle All the Way was fourth. Um, and Mission Impossible was still out in its 27th week that weekend. Uh, Colin, good for them. Um, it is ranked currently as the 19th most successful Christmas movie, only ahead of Scrooged and below The Best Man Holiday. Apparently this made more than Bad Santa. So there you go. I think Bad Santa's overrated. I don't know how you feel about Bad Santa. Never seen it. Eh, it's not that good. Um, and in 1996, for the year, this came in at 22nd. Guess uh, what it was one spot above? <laughs> Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> <laughs> AKA The Cable Guy. Um, just below Beavis and Butthead. Actually, it's, a, it's ahead of a few movies that I... I love the movie Jack, that Robin Williams movie, which everybody mm. seems to hate. Um, it was a few spots ahead of Evita. I'm sure that's one of your favourite ones. Uh, Romeo and Juliet. Happy Gilmore didn't make that much. Mars Attacks only made $37 million. That's crazy. Um, and well above Muppet Treasure Island. Oh, Eddie. I love Eddie. Great movie. Um, to put that into context, the 22nd highest ranked film of 2017 was War for the Planet of the Apes. Which made 146 wow. million, and presently, at the time of recording this, the 22nd highest ranked film of 2018 is Mamma Mia. Here we go again. <laughs> that made 120 million dollars. So, um, really, yeah. if you think about it, I mean, this movie was regarded as a bomb. Like I said, it didn't even open in the top three. But when you put it into perspective, that's kind of why, I like, doing this. War for the Planet of the Apes was a big hit. I mean, it wasn't as big as Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, but. It was still like a huge movie, so I guess overall it must have done good repeat business leading up to Christmas. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Arnie's movies, um, it comes in as his twelfth most successful movie. Um, there's twenty five listed here. So, I mean, we obviously did the sixth day. This made uh, nearly double the amount of money the sixth day made. Uh, and this actually made $10 million more than the last action hero made. So out of all our honey movies that we've done, this is the most successful. Um, so that's interesting. Obviously, we're going to have a few next year that uh, will clearly... Uh, no, we've got a few honey movies next year, don't we? We've got... Uh, oh, yeah, a couple. True Lies, all the Terminators. <laughs> Goodness me, yeah. it's Arnie year of 2019. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting that, yeah, this is considered pretty much a bomb, but it made a bit of money, so... <laughs> Not too bad. And this is, in 1996, only the top 15 made over $100 million, including Eraser, an Arnie movie. Um, mm. So, yeah, Independence Day, of course, for this those was, pl um, playing at home was number one. He also, I mean, he did Batman and Robin after this, but this was kind of his last, I guess, of his movie starring roles for, what, three years? Because I remember after Batman and Robin came out, he was on a hiatus. I think he had, like, heart surgery or something like that. 
and End of Days was like his first movie in like two and a half years. So if you go starring roles, Jingle All the Way to End of Days, that's three years. There's a huge gap after this where he stopped making movies. Yeah, you're right. Because, yeah, looking here, it's your Batman and Robin, End of Days, Sixth Day. Uh, and then it was really what? Collateral Damage and Terminator 3 before he yeah, kind of then governor. Went off and became a governor of California. So. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, do you have anything to add here before we... Actually, we should go through some of our plot keywords, shouldn't we, and things like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you want to go through some of the plot keywords here? I found a couple here, but I feel like I we should talk to I do not have one open yet, so you feel oh, free to start. Okay. Well, uh, coming uh, up in 2019, we have the possibilities for Surprise After End Credits Month, which um, <laughs> could be a big one. The number one movie on that currently, uh, as of right now, is Ralph Breaks the Internet, followed by Venom, Avengers Affinity War, and Black Panther. Uh, we could also have Father Disappoints Child Month, which <laughs> could be a good one. Number one, Jingle All the Way. Number two, one of my favourite movies, Liar Liar, followed by Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, and Regarding Henry, a Harrison Ford movie. But possibly oh. the month that I'm most looking forward to next year, Colin Hilding, is Reference to Slinky Month, uh, <laughs> which... Currently right now, Jingle All The Way is number one, followed by Ghostbusters 2, Cinematic Titanic, The Oozing Skull, and Tales of the Crypt, episode Morning Mess. They're actually the only four on reference to Slinky Month, coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't remember a Slinky reference in this movie. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> is guinea pigs in this as well? No, but I'm looking here at spilled coffee, spilling coffee, coffee spill. <laughs> Is eggnog on the face month coming soon? <laughs> no, but I found Mall of America month. <laughs> <laughs> Let's guess what that one is. It's Mighty Ducks and no. Jingle All The Way. Literally three, three titles are on this list. Jingle All The Way. Then there is a TV show called Amanda Jarpelimahet, episode oh. Minnesota, and a TV show, The Investigators, episode Trail of Clues. How is Mighty Ducks 2 not in there? No idea. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh there's Promise Month! <laughs> Husband-wife relationship, swearing, young boy, outfit month. <laughs> Oh, there's eggnog month. <laughs> Just not on the face. Sexual innuendos regarding cookies month. <laughs> Please tell me that's on there. Um, no, there's mild violence. Um, playing against type. Um, diner month. Consumerism month. <laughs> Police badge. <laughs> Dwarf. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, there's, on the parental guide, there's actually a lot here. Um, sex and nudity. Sinbad has a line of a woman who slept with everybody in the post office but me. This has changed for the TV version. Um, there is a party scene at the beginning of the movie that shows many women in short skirts and the light dance with a man. Uh, <laughs> what? Um, yeah, this is weird. There's a lot here. Violence and gore. A bomb goes off, but is meant to be comedic. 
Um, a group of women mistake Howard for a child molester and a pervert after seeing him <laughs> grabbing a little girl's mouth in an attempt to have her spit out the rubber ball to which he needs to pursue and beat him with their purses. After when one woman says, pervert, get your hands off my kid, followed by the rest of the women calling Howard a pervert. Uh, okay. Profanity. One use of ass, two use of damn, three uses of hell, one incomplete son of a bitch, son of a... Uh, and two uses of the word screw. <laughs> um, and spoilers, sex and nudity. It appears that Ted's motivation and feelings towards his married neighbor's wife throughout the entire movie is sexual. <laughs> you, you think? think? <laughs> anyway. Uh, shall we rate this movie, Colin Hilding? Yes. What are you going to do with it? Um... Just really quickly, I want to comment on the, the whole consumerism thing. So many people draw that parallels, but I honestly don't get that out of this movie. If the idea was that the the lesson, okay, well, I guess the lesson of the movie uh, is, you know, it's not about buying your kid a present, but it's it's more just about this dad actually showing up for something, and that's what the kid responds to in the end. It's not like the kid's like, I don't need a present. The kid still wants the present, so. So many people who try to say this is about consumerism, I really don't get that at all. It's just about don't disappoint your kid. That's just what I wanted to get off my chest there. Misinterpretations of Jingle All the Way. Um, but PSA, coming soon. <laughs> month Misinterpretations of Month Coming Soon to the Oz <laughs> Network. Uh, Larry the Cable Guy Month Coming <laughs> Soon. <laughs> Wrongfully Anyways. accused. Uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. No, I mean, I'm going to buy this movie. It's uh, it's not one that I watch every single Christmas. You know, there's some Christmas movies I watch every single Christmas. And there's other ones like this. And you mentioned Scrooge with Bill Murray where, you know, maybe I'll go two or three years without watching it. But it's one that I always enjoy watching. And uh, aside from a couple of bits in here, which I think you probably can fast forward, I- I'm not as crazy about, as I said, the, the Santa Elf factory fight scene. Uh, even when he breaks into the house and sets it on fire, not really crazy about that. But all the scenes with like Sinbad and Phil Hartman are great, and the, the whole ending with the parade's fantastic. Uh, it's just a fun movie, and yes, it is completely dumb, and I understand that. And I'm sure there are things that I've rented that um, uh, are, are much better movies than this. But it, it feels Christmassy still, and that's kind of what we're rating here. And it's entertaining, and anytime Schwarzenegger gets to kind of be funny, it, it, it's worth watching. Anytime Schwarzenegger's in anything, it's worth watching. Let's just say it, we'll buy anything with the man. Well, we both rented The Sixth Day, but... Uh... Oh, <laughs> let's redo that one. <laughs> that was our very first episode I think we ever did, wasn't it? So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our standards have been lowered. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm buying this. Um, we bought the room, people. So come on, um, <laughs> absolutely buying this film. Um, yeah, this movie is great, and everybody should have this on their yearly Christmas watch list because it's amazing. So yes. Uh, and speaking of amazing, next week we finish up with the quintessential Christmas movie, which is a Christmas movie, <laughs> Die Hard. Um, need we say more? Uh, this is going to be like one of the few times we do a movie that's part of a franchise, but we don't do the entire franchise. So a yeah. uh, bit of a weird one, but yes, Die Hard, come on. Like, how can we not do this movie? Uh, and we left this off. And originally, this was going to be an anniversary month one. Then I said, oh, we got to save it for Christmas month instead. Because uh, this both works as an anniversary and Christmas. It's the 30th anniversary this year. 
there's been a couple of screenings of this that I've seen. There's um, apparently one that's happening on Monday here that I won't get to go to uh, because I can't spend the money and I got to work and everything. But uh, there's been tons of like re-releases of this, not like major re-releases, but just a theater will play it for one weekend here. And this is one of the ones that, uh, as a Christmas movie, it's developed a reputation only over the last maybe 15 years because I can remember prior to that, maybe around 2000, 2001, like when I first got the internet and there being discussions online about, you know, what's your favorite Christmas movie? And I would always say growing up, Die Hard was my favorite Christmas movie and people are like, that's not a Christmas movie. And I remember the first time I mentioned that like on a forum and people started replying saying, hmm, I never thought about that as a Christmas movie before, but yeah, that's pretty good. And now we're living in a world where it's like people officially recognize Die Hard as a Christmas movie unless they're Jamie. Who argues it, even though she loves the movie. But uh, I'm not even going to get into right now how much love I have for this movie. All I'm going to say is this was the first movie that I ever owned on VHS. Wow. Um, me personally. There were movies that, you know, as a family we had. But uh, uh, when I was, I think, maybe 10, 9 or 10 when I saw this for the first time. I don't know why my mom let me watch this. Um I saw this movie and I loved it so much. And I think it was that Christmas she got us each like a VHS and mine was Die Hard when I was like nine or 10 years old, which is crazy. Uh, but th- this is like a childhood favorite movie of mine. And still to this day, I mean, I'm obsessed with everything to do with John McClane. I don't care how bad, unless it's a good day to die hard. That one can die hard, <laughs> please. <laughs> on a good day. Uh- yes, on a good day. <laughs> it's honestly been so long since I've seen... Uh, die Hard, but I, I don't know. It's just you know, movies we'd watch all the time, and honestly, I've probably seen the second and third one more than any of the other ones. Um, I've actually never seen the fifth one, um, and I've seen the fourth one like once. Um, so out of the first three, this is probably the one I know the least. But um, you know, still, it's Die Hard. It's amazing, uh, and I hope that we can cover at least number two and number three one day. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, Die Hard next week. Get into the Christmas spirit. Uh, in the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe all the relevant channels. Uh, if you're Larry the Cable Guy, my address is um, coming up. You can send me a letter that way. Uh, Tom Cruise, my address is also there somewhere too. Um, and we appreciate your support. And as we get very close to the end of our, uh, what, second full year, I guess, in operation and uh, lots of exciting things still to come. So, yes, keep in touch with us. If you're Larry the Cable Guy and Tom Cruise. My name is Ben and I'm not a pervert. And my name is Colin and hashtag hands off Larry the Cable Guy. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.